This week, Douglas Gale is back to talk about Babylon 5 Season 4 right now on Sci-Fi with me, your host, Jesse Mercury. Let's go. destruction the year we took back what was ours it was the year of rebirth the year of great sadness the year of pain and a year of joy it was a new age it was the end of history it was the year everything changed the year is 2261 the place babylon 5 check 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 you look good in uh, headphones. Thank you. you. you look, I should take. I want to take a picture of you right now. You look very podcasty. You've got like a beer in your hand, a pop yeah. filter in your face, and yeah. like headphones and a smile. That's what I was born for, baby. <laughs> Wait, I'm literally going to take a picture of you right now. Oh yeah, go for it. Can I? Can I Instagram? This? Born to podcast. Wait, hold up the beer. That, that's it. That's the, <laughs> this is the key part. That's, that's the face. That's the good part. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Look, you're, you're just in your happy place. Oh, yeah, that's delicious. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Douglas Gale, welcome back. Jesse Mercury, thank you for welcoming me back. <laughs> we have so much to talk about. It's crazy, isn't it? Okay, we're going to talk about Babylon 5 Season 4. Sure. Uh, holy shit. It was So much happened. So much happened. Yeah. I, I'll just lay it all... Here's the short version. I'm going to lay it all out, how I felt about it. As yeah. you know, this is my first time watching Babylon first 5. First time through, right, yep. Um, I was so into season four for a very big chunk of it yeah, and so excited about where it was going. And I just felt completely deflated by the way it ended. Sure. Yeah. And that's good because it sets you up for how deflating season five is. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I, I think a lot of people hate season five. I like it. I, three is the one that everyone says is the, the pinnacle. Four yeah. is just crazy. Yeah. It was insane. And, and, I think if they hadn't been shoehorned into doing four, yeah, thinking there wasn't going to be a five, then I think what you would have is a decent season four that's not batshit insane, right? And you know, a decent season five. So instead, totally. it's sort of distilled down where season four is super intense, and then the end of four and five kind of meander a bit. Yeah, I was thinking about that the whole time, knowing that. He had to compress, like he being JMS, the writer, right. had to compress two seasons of 
of his planned story arc into one season because you'd warned me about that. Right. Uh, so I did keep that in mind the whole time, and that helped me forgive the breakneck pace. Right. Uh, because it was breakneck. <laughs> so much you know? happened. So much happened. So quickly. They don't stop to really... No, not at all. ...linger on anything. For a show that also dragged ass for season one and then it picks up and then all of a sudden you're like what is going on there was like a major galactic event like every couple days yes yeah (laughs) and oh uh, outside of the storyline like the effects are now tolerable oh yeah and interesting like when they show the first ones that's uh, to me, that's a very imaginative use of alien races in totally. sci-fi uh, uh, CGI stuff. Yeah, usually really what we that. see are like uh, variations of like space cars, you know, right. or giant big space buildings. Yeah, I remember thinking along those lines way back in season one, you know, seeing Vorlon designs for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking, oh, that's a really interesting sort of organic take yeah. on a spaceship. Yeah, and they look like big roots in yeah, space. Yeah, it tells me something about the people that built it. Yep. And they really took that to... A, an amazing degree yeah, in they, season four yeah. when you see the first ones. They amp it up. Yeah, yeah it's like, look at all these designs. Yeah. And these are all so different, and it's so clear that these species like evolved in different parts of space and right. came to these conclusions are, about how to build something. And, and beyond your understanding. Yeah, I Why love can't that. a spaceship be a giant hunk of wood that rotates yeah. and has glowing <laughs> things on the outside of it? Why totally. Not? I loved it. I loved that. Me too. And I, I loved so much about this season. Yeah. And I, I want to get out of the way first sure. the thing that disappointed me. Yeah. Because like the way that it wrapped up just felt so like anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, and then... The the whole thing with like Susan Ivanova almost dying and yeah. Marcus sacrificing himself yeah. to save her yep. was terrible. Yeah, like, agreed. What is that? It's, it gets even it's, worse. It was so like unnecessary. Yeah. Just kill one of them during the battle and I would have been gutted. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like just kill Susan during the battle. I thought that had happened and I was gutted for a second. Yeah. Because I mean, at that point in the season, we're talking about like a couple episodes before the end. I was still 100% on board. Yeah. Um, I forgot that that's what happened when they showed Susan dying. Yeah. Uh, I thought, Oh right. That's how Susan dies in the show. Oh shit. <laughs> I forgot that there was that whole like, Oh right. That stupid alien healing machine. Yeah. And then like Marcus being in love with her and deciding Ugh. to save her. Yeah. I think, I think knowing for sure, cause he, if he'd ever spoken to Susan Ivanova before, he would know for sure that doing that would disgust her, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like yeah. to sacrifice your own life to save her would be so against what she would want. Yeah. Unquestionably. Right. As a, as a, as a human being. Yeah. Uh, to see Marcus do that, claiming to be in love with her like rang so false to me it, it, if he's in love with her he wouldn't do that because he'd know that she wouldn't want that she wouldn't be able to live with herself right so he put this character in a position where she can't live with herself and then the show is over like yes. the season is over the next season or the next episode and I, I was wondering to myself is this how he was going to end this in fi- the five year arc is this the original ending that he would have done because then you have that crazy episode the last episode where you like look forward in the future the and he deifies years. all his characters yeah to the point where I'm just like, come on, I'm I don't like this. Yeah, like, yeah. I hated that last episode. <laughs> so I see. I love the. I love. Oh, the really? <laughs> jump. I don't know if I agreed with the choices, but just the jump into the future that many times. I really. Yeah. It takes like if you've seen Six Feet Under. Sure. The, the you know it takes Six Feet Under and it's like times literally a million. Right. And I liked it on paper, but it was so clunky and 
not very well presented. Oh yeah, and then the hologram, the uh, hologram thing. I'm like, I yeah, just Garibaldi's I'm a hologram saving invested. I know. It's, it's like I was so still dumb. mad at Garibaldi yeah. for being like the worst all season, which I actually loved. I yeah. loved his arc. Yeah, yes. we should talk about the next. But uh, there was so much that I like. I don't know. There was so many times in that last episode where I'm like, you're, it's just kind of a dream sequence in the mm-hmm. end. I just, I just didn't like it. Yeah. You know, I didn't care for it. It wasn't, it wasn't bad in the way that, you know, season two episodes were bad or season one episodes were bad. Like this is no right. Jack the Ripper situation. <laughs> but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I know that uh, JMS like had to compress his five-year arc down to four. Right. So this is probably the original end of the show. Like this is probably how he meant to end the show yes. was this jump forward. Yeah. And it just, it bothered me the most because of the way it deified the characters. Yeah. These characters had made, you know, questionable decisions all season long right. to try to do what they thought was good. And then just seeing the way that they were remembered, uh, where you have that religion in the future. Yeah. You know, actually half the episode I really enjoyed. It's interesting And, and felt thoughts, interesting. Uh, but w- by the time you get to the point where they're in a Bible in the future, yeah. <laughs> I, it Literally felt to monks. me, it felt to me so self-congratulatory <laughs> from the writer's perspective, yeah. you know, that I just... I, I just didn't like it. It just rubbed me the wrong way. See, to me, if anything, I thought that it was a little too hokey. I like the idea of seeing what what would happen with humanity going forward in the future. Uh, now that if you're establishing like, oh, they're on the path to, you know, have peace in the galaxy for all these years. Right. What will I? So I, 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 and then people are bitter about it in the future. Like they yeah. don't understand that they have peace and yeah, what it means. Exactly. So I kind of like that because that yeah. is showing that's kind of what happens in her own yeah. history you know totally and then also and i to thought do- it was a very a really brilliant thought also yes. and to show like two more dips into because one of the main things that i think puts babylon 5 apart from other sci-fi shows is that it makes effectively human government you know the the equivalent of the federation the bad mm-hmm. guys right for totally. a huge chunk of it totally and it's not even so much that it's basically like humans are bad people Right, you know, and then if you get a lot of them in charge, really bad things happen. Right, and then when the, he does the jump forward to the future twice, twice, it's like also humans did bad things again. Like, right. we still fucked up two more times. Right, and I maybe maybe that's also part of. It's really difficult for me because I, in theory, I love that. Right, like for the story, I think it's really brilliant. Yeah, and I really love that. But watching it was so deflating. Yeah, and just made me feel so bad. It made me feel bad about like wait a hundred thousand years. And then maybe he would, at least by a million years, humans are decent. Right. After a hundred thousand years, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It just, it bummed me out in like a couple of ways. Yeah. Even though I really thought that it was a good idea. It's really hard for me to unwrap my feelings about this. Like by the time I was done with season four, I felt like if that had been the end of the show, I would have just walked away angry forever. Yes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And probably never watched it again. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe through discussing this tonight, I can come to grips with how I felt about season four. Because like, part of me appreciated it for the journey and for the fact that it like really took me somewhere. Right. But but the other half of me was so dis- like disturbed by a couple of things right at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, mostly the thing with Marcus. I don't I, he, uh, Marcus is one of my least favorite, uh, probably my the character I like the least overall. I know yeah. the guy that they had as a throwaway character in season 
two, I think, two or three. Uh-huh. I forget his name. The pilot that they just inserted oh, right. into the main. Credits. Yeah, I don't even remember what he looks like at and this he, point. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen it twice. Now. Oh no, I just remembered his face. It's okay. And he's <laughs> took his, me a second. His whole point of existing is to get killed at the end of the season. He's a throwaway right. character. It drove me crazy. Yeah, yeah, and Marcus is like that in a way where it seems like Marcus's point was intended to be a. a in JMS's mind, a noble sacrifice. Right. But he turns out to be an annoying character. <laughs> you know, I wanted Marcus to die, but not necessarily in that way. Interesting. I actually really like Marcus. Oh, really? I actually really like him <laughs> because he's like, he's kind of a, he's he's like a, what's the guy in Sherwood Forest? The, uh, oh, the Rob- sheriff of Nottingham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my mind, he was always the sheriff of Nottingham <laughs> for some reason. Like, or just, or, or just Robin Hood. He just was presented as a character from Robin Hood. Yeah. And something about that tickled me i'm like this doesn't make any sense and then they make him a virgin or they reveal that he's oh, a virgin, yeah, he was in season a virgin. Four. oh yeah he's there's just so many things <laughs> that are so weird about the choice so weird yeah but i but his like joy at uh being a part of the fight i yeah. actually really liked you yes. know and i thought that that was a really cool character to have around and they never really developed him very well but i really enjoyed his presence yeah. i love when he went to mars uh, with uh, with Steven. Like, them is like a buddy comedy duo yeah. I really enjoyed. And him playing with his staff that opens and closes. Like, there were so many moments that yeah. I love with Marcus, especially in season four. Yeah. But but because the show had finally had, like, a quote-unquote throwaway character right. that I liked and then threw away yeah. in a way that felt so gross, yeah. I was like, I was like, fuck. Yeah. Like, what that's, the fuck? That's fair. That's fair. You'll be yeah, disappointed in season five then. I'm sure... I will. Yeah. <laughs> but at this point, I've lowered my expectations because yeah. season three was really great. You know? Yeah. And and season four, most of it was also like truly great. Yeah. And uh, different from other sci-fi too. Season four is really yeah. where the comparisons to this and Deep Space Nine, season four, by three, it, it's pretty apparent it's different. By four, it's like, oh, we're just off the map now. Totally. You know. And it actually did what a lot of serialized shows do now, like Lost or Scandal, yeah. which is like, Every day is like, oh my god, yeah, yeah this yeah. is happening now. <laughs> and you're in a commercial break. You know, yeah. they, it turned into that type of a show. Yeah. in season four, where it it almost felt like all action, uh, with not with not necessarily any substance sometimes because it was almost too much of that. Yeah, and all of that I I forgave because it did have substance. First of all, it's like some of it kind of started to. Fl- blur past me i just couldn't right. quite keep up with all the story that was happening because yeah. there was so much this, like uh, yeah. side changing and like getting these aliens on our side and like, all these yeah. twists and turns and oh and jms's weird way of his desire to have negotiations of be like haha we tricked them totally everything is like a trick yeah or having someone over a barrel those yeah, are his totally. two go-tos that was that reminds me of th- there's two main things i didn't like about the season one is the end and then the other is that moment. It's like, I don't remember where it is in the show, like halfway through the season somewhere when Sheridan tricks the League of Non-Aligned Worlds into right. inviting him to patrol <laughs> their space with military vessels. Yeah. Like, I just thinking about propaganda, because this season's all about it. All about it, yeah. And just thinking about, you know, using the truth against people and how we stand against that as Babylon 5. And then Sheridan does it on purpose to yeah. gain 
like military control. Yeah. That was fucked up. Right. And it's not portrayed as something like, oh, isn't no. this it's just, haha, this is the good guys doing a good thing. Yeah, he gets in the elevator at the end of the episode and he's like, Woohoo! Yeah. Like, he's so happy. Yeah. And the show doesn't seem to know it's fucked up. Right. It's but it's the same thing with Marcus's sacrifice. It doesn't realize right. that's a fucked up thing. That's a right. selfish man doing a really selfish thing. Totally. That's cruel. That it's going to ruin this woman's life. That like, he, he claims he thinks to love. he's saving her, but he's ruining her life. Because he doesn't really love her for who she is. Right. He loves her for the image Idea, that he has. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Totally. But that's, yeah. none of that, that's all... None of that's addressed. That's not and, addressed. And, and that, I think that's why that moment felt gross to me is yeah. that there, there was a disgusting act that took place and it wasn't, it wasn't talked about that way. Right. And, and I just couldn't, I couldn't come to grips with that inside of this show that I'd become so invested in. Yep. It just felt, it just felt like... It felt sloppy, for lack of a better word, yeah. to me. And it, it felt like Marcus was being thrown away. Yeah. And and in so doing, kind of threw away this whole like storyline that they needed to open up if they were going to go that way. Yeah. It's like, if we're going to do this to her, we need to follow her longer and discover what it does to her. Right. Because that will make it you know worth doing from a story perspective. But to just do it. And then walk away. It's right. like it's like poof. Look what I did. And then yeah. walk away. It just felt gross. And that's why it's weird. I don't know how much I should get into talking about this. About seeing Third Space. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I did watch that. Yeah. So Third Space is produced though during the TNT years. That's produced after season five has started. Oh, so it's, weird. It's, if you watch it in production order, yeah. Third Space is a very jarring <laughs> show because there's so many changes that happen. Yeah, for I watched season five. it after season four. Yeah. I could not find the right order, so I guessed. No, but, that's fine. Okay. Uh, it, de- it depends on whether you want to watch it chronologically or if you want to watch it production order. I wanted to watch it. Well, I don't know. I didn't know how I wanted to watch it. I yeah. kept. I found so many different recommendations. That's that part I of the actually, journey, man. I actually just made a guess. I just made a yeah. stab at it. I'm like. I looked up the production order and I looked up the recommended order, but the recommended orders were all so different and they all had recommendations that I explicitly disagreed with. Yes. uh, Especially about where to watch in the beginning, which I also guessed at and worked really well for me. I watched it about... like a third of the way into season four. Oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, and it was like a. There's nice... nothing in there. Once the Shadow War is done, there's nothing much in. Yeah, but it directly tied into an episode of season four, and I just lucked into watching it directly after that one. Oh, nice! And it, it actually worked perfectly for me. Oh, I, nice! I really liked that. Yeah, uh, like getting to see that uh, the events with Delenn from both sides. Yes, I think it would have ruined it in the episode if I'd watched that first. Right. But having watched the movie right after that, like it was the perfect juxtaposition, and it really. That's interesting. Yeah, tied that story together really nicely. Yeah, because my memory is terrible. So, <laughs> like, getting to see that back to back really helped me remember what had happened in the episode prior to it. Right. So that's my order for, yeah. for that. I, I think that's if you look at Crusade, the follow up, the uh, one season follow up to Babylon Five. Yeah, there's like three different orders that you can right. go through. You know, there's like his recommended order. The production order and then the broadcast order. Oh God! Yeah, this is very weird. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we were talking about that that moment where Sheridan yes is like using propaganda against to deceive like, for his for, allies for his intent. You yeah. know, not necessarily for the truth. Even though like what he believes is the truth to him is the truth. Yeah, I I felt like like well, I feel like Delenn is the type of person who knows that whatever you believe is true is not necessarily the truth. Right. Because it's just what you believe and you're one person and you're yeah. not big enough to make those decisions for the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, and I, I liked having someone like that w- working towards this common goal of freeing the galaxy from oppression, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And then I feel like season four got away from that and then almost went into that on purpose. Like (laughs) Garibaldi, his arc was fascinating to me this season. Yeah. And I actually love how they wrapped it up by saying, you know, they nudged his mind into more into the direction that he would normally go. Yep. They didn't implant anything in him. Yep. Uh, They didn't like force him to go bad. They made him more, more paranoid. Right. And then he did all these awful things because he didn't trust Sheridan anymore. Yep. And he was this voice for saying that Sheridan had changed since he came back from Zaha Doom. And right. that, he is a messianic character. That's the thing. Totally. Your complaint yeah. about sort of how he's portrayed going yeah. forward, Garibaldi would be one who would be horrified right. at seeing him or any of them deified. Totally. Yeah. And uh, and I actually felt like the show kind of made it out to be that becoming a person who is deified is like a good thing. You know, uh, like if you okay. if you are a person who follows this just and righteous path, like to do these great things, maybe one day you'll be deified like these characters were. See, I took it to mean that if you do great things in your life, you will be deified and you have no control over how other people tell the story that happened to you. Yeah. I think that, I think maybe that's what's intended, but for me, because of that point midway through where Sheridan broke my trust of morality, I no longer felt like the message of this show was necessarily one that I wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And the, there's another moment in season four that made me feel the exact opposite, which made me feel like I want to recommend this to everyone that I know. <laughs> and I want everyone to sit down and watch through Babylon five. Right. It's the moment where, uh, uh, Londo explains to Jakar how he realized that he's been racist Yeah, and he's getting over it and he wants to be Jakar's friend. Right. And that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the calm. That was the moment that I've wanted for the whole show. Like the culmination of a storyline yeah. that gets me somewhere that feels brilliant the, and feels like inclusive and progressive yeah. and important. And a lot that of people say that the Londo and Jakar is like that's right. the story. That's right. the heart of the show. Yeah, totally. And and if if that is the heart of the show, and I think there's a good argument to be made for that, then the show has a pure heart. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. But if the heart of the show is like overcoming you know, uh, an oppressive force, which I think is arguably what the show is about. Right. (laughs) Then, and Sheridan being the sort of messianic figure who will help you through that, then if we're looking at that as the message of the show, like him uh, cavalierly using the truth against people makes me question the heart of the show. See, I think it's... uh I agree with the people who say that it's about many different things. Yeah. It's about religion. It is definitely about truth. You know, uh, it's uh, it's about perceptions of reality. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that it has one particular message. And I don't know whether that's a strength or a weakness for the show. But yeah. it's uh, JMS is someone who I've I've keep saying it like he needed somebody to like rein him in a little bit or Hmm. find some kind of focus yeah uh the jokes going back to the jokes all being things that he clearly thinks are funny that are not funny right so i think sometimes when he's trying to make a point or make a message he's trying to do something that he thinks is making a point or making a message but it's but he's not doing it he's not accomplishing it yeah and i wonder if I wonder if I'm getting the message that he's trying to portray right. or or if it's just not coming across. I, I wonder if there's like accidental messages that are coming absolutely, through. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I don't know what his vision 
for the message was. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know either. I don't know either. And that moment between Londo and Jakar made me feel like I knew and I understood. Yeah. And that's that's like one of my favorite things in the fucking world is yeah. when I'm watching a show for years and then they tell me something really deep into it and that makes me understand what the show is. Yeah. Uh, and I'll use The Walking Dead as an example. Yeah. So spoilers for The Walking Dead. But in season uh, four or five, four or five, there's a moment where um, like Rick sits everyone down and tells the story about how we are The Walking Dead. Yeah. Do you watch that show? Uh, no, but I've read the comic, so I okay. don't care about spoilers. I actually spoilers. just started reading the comics also. This happens at the end of the first uh trade paperback collection of the walking dead is where rick says we are the walking dead right and that's that's the moment that crystallizes the vision for me of what the walking dead is yeah it's like the world is over we're dead already yeah what happens now yeah and that that is amazing i i think that's a really great premise yeah um and i mean the walking dead has like way gone off the rails as a tv show and that's sure. a whole other conversation <laughs> but uh that moment was like oh i get it now i get what this show is doing because this has been such a gross experience for me right but i'm so drawn to it and i don't know why yeah and i keep watching it and i don't know why <laughs> and it's like it's terribly disturbing and really yeah. disgusting but at the same time like something so alive about it yeah i'll use you know breaking bad's term of like i feel awake you right know, in right episode one of breaking De- bad when walter white is asked why he's doing this it's like I feel awake or something yeah. along those lines. And that's how The Walking Dead makes me feel sometimes. Like when I'm watching it, I'm just like tuned in and yeah. awake. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I love that about TV. Yeah. And Babylon 5 got there for me. Yes. And and then kind of it and then kind of made me question if I if it was worthwhile yeah. at the very end. And it felt so weird. <laughs> See, I still obviously I love it because yeah. I had been saying it to you for the longest time. Totally. That I and I think that it is still I love The Expanse quite a bit. Uh-huh. Uh, it'll be judgment after The Expanse is done. Yeah, totally. But Babylon 5 is still probably my favorite sci-fi series. It's, wow. I, I, I love Star Trek. I love Star Trek to death. I'm uh, a big fan of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, but I still, at the end of the day, find Babylon 5 to be a better series because despite all of the very low lows that it has, the highs that it hits are just higher than uh, what I've gotten from other shows. Yeah. Yeah, and I could see that for sure. I'm definitely, I've been waiting to kind of assess that for myself. Yeah. And I think by the end of season four, I I feel less excited about the show than I did after the end of season three. Yeah, oh, absolutely. As, like, and then and then you, get, you get let down again in five. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, there is another I'm finale, do, though. I, I, remember, I listened to our episode last time when I was editing it, and I yeah. heard, you were talking about how you feel like Deep Space Nine is like a, a, or Babylon 5 is a far better show than Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I'm definitely at the point now where I can say that I don't agree with that. Yeah, that yeah. I, that for me, like Deep Space Nine reaches oh. far higher highs. See, I want to. I want us to then do the. Fo- I, that I'm would be that the would follow be really podcast. Fun. I know. Because what it's going to be is it's just going to be me <laughs> mercilessly mocking Deep Space Nine, and me trying to defend it. I know yeah. <laughs> we should do that. Uh, to 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 point to your advantage, you don't have any episode where the characters have reached warp ten and turn into <laughs> turn lizards into and have sex with each other and then lay a bunch of eggs that split and uh, never talk about it again that is the worst episode yeah i'll take 10 Dude, uh, uh that's jack thr- the rippers uh, yeah for me that is actually slightly better than jack the ripper because that's how bad jack the ripper was we're talking about threshold from voyager. voyager infamous uh my friend dan when i was like a teenager was once asking me questions about how the star trek universe worked and one of his questions was like you know 
like what happens if you transport from here to there like just right. asking me the technical things and i had answers for all of it <laughs> he's like what's the fastest that you can go in a starship we like, don't well, talk about you it. can't go past warp 10 <laughs> and he asked me what happens if you go past warp 10 and then my answer was well you turn into a salamander <laughs> <laughs> and then he looked at me like I was crazy and my response no. was dude Star Trek is not actually filmed in space <laughs> but that conversation has really stuck with me yeah. because it was I you know I felt great shame because that's the tr- <laughs> that is what happens it's and canon it's canon and yeah. you have to accept it or it's, die it's why on one level of measure that is my favorite episode of all Star Trek entirely because you get to point at that. Yeah. But then people will be like, eh, Voyager's the worst. It's fine. You can all yeah. the all the seasons are the worst in <laughs> their own way. Oh, sorry. Do you remember the episode of Voyager with Andy Dick where there's like two yeah. EMA he's, programs? He's, he's the new shitty like, hey, we have yeah. AI. Why don't we make them as annoying as possible? I think that that episode is fucking awesome. <laughs> I love that episode. It's great. It's a great episode, but it's, it's so good. It's it reveals weird choices they make in the Star Trek universe, which yeah. is Voyager the, does that a lot for me. Making, the weird choices thing. Making Andy Dick your EMH hologram is exactly why uh, Robert Picardo's The Doctor wound up mining asteroids. Right. You know, totally. Because nobody wants to go to these people. Yeah. I mean, that was a really interesting moment because if you think back to like season two of TNG, Measure of a Man, like that is the future that they were trying to prevent yeah. happening. Yeah. And it's not talked about. Right. And it's upsetting. It's gross. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about things about Side note, yeah. season four of Babylon 5 that I liked. Because yes. there's so many, and I really feel like I'm selling the the show short. Right. Uh, which a, is also part of my frustration because my reaction to the end of it did make me feel jaded for everything yeah. I loved about the season. Yeah. But for, I would say, like, 90% of the season, I was super into it. Yeah. And super on board. And one of the things I liked the most was actually Garibaldi's story arc. Yeah. Uh, because I have come to despise that man by yeah. the time we got to season four. Yeah. Um, and then... Just going one step further and actually making him the worst yeah. was so good. Yeah. It, I, I loved hating him yeah. all season long. I loved every moment he was on screen. His like bitchy, petulant responses to everything that Sheridan would say to him. Yep. His terrible, disgusting relationship with his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yep. It was just like soap opera drama gold. Yes. And so interesting yeah, and, and it feels natural it yeah. fits in well it addresses yeah it's a chance to address some of the issues of the story which is yep. the messianic aspects of it and like the like the way in which i hate the way that men behave on the show suddenly went to a place where it felt like commentary yeah yeah yeah, yeah i loved that yeah i thought that was really cool and the part of me that loves shows like scandal which i adore was so into it you know yeah. it, it was just like it was soap opera, you know, yep. soap opera drama, but done in a crazy sci-fi environment. I'd never had that before. Never realized I really like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a hundred percent on board with you. It's it's them. It's Babylon Five doing well with uh, serialization. Yeah, you know, totally. That's, that's that aspect of the serialization worked out great for them. Totally. And I'm like, what's happening with this crazy billionaire who lives on Mars? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and if you. He's been mentioned throughout the series. Like, if totally. you ever do a rewatch, then you'll hear them I talk it. about. I believe it. I was wondering about that. Yeah, that's that's cool. I'm really glad that's true. It's I I will say that if you at the end of all five are like I like Babo Five, it's worth giving it a go. Yeah, in a I, year or two. I don't know if I would do that. Yeah. We'll see how it goes after season five. Yeah, because you may not. This may be not your sci-fi. It, it product. might not be my show. Yeah, you know, I. It's also hitting me at a particular point in my life where I'm really seeing 
well, just for for our culture, where you're seeing around us the damage oh, that pop culture can yeah. can bring, yeah, uh, when it or is an not, oppressive regime, yeah, totally. Like we are living inside of an oppressive regime, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe not to the extent of what this future showed, but it right. it really it's within our grasp. It, it is within our grasp, and it really made me uncomfortable. Yeah, um, but in a good way. Like I want to see what this show has to tell me about this because this is like shadows of this are happening now with propaganda, right. Fox News. I yeah. does you know. Like stuff it's not a popping utopian up about vision Facebook. Of the that, whoa. Sorry, Miles. Miles. Come here. Miles just wanted to be on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not and I like that it's not a utopian vision because I was hoping that the creator would who who seemed the creator seemed to have an understanding about how these regimes work. Right. Like this is how these things come to pass and it's done through fear yeah. uh and misinformation. Yes. And and that was really interesting to me. I'm like, oh, so what do you do? Yeah. And and that was really cool for me in that moment until yep. the show tells you that what you do is you use the same tactics against your enemies. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. you, show. Like, yeah. I don't like that. Well, okay, so this is, I feel like there are areas of the show that are worth discussing. I wish that it was addressed within the show itself because it would make the show itself better because then it's self-aware. Yeah. But uh, this is one of those, is using yeah. the tactics of the enemy against the enemy. Uh, another one is season four shows most of the people that are in power that have control over other people sacrifice them for their own ends. Right. You know, everyone, Londo sacrifices people, Sheridan sacrifices people. They're, they're explicitly... And Delenn, in that Delenn, moment where, where she's like in that pain thing and the yeah. other guy pushes her out and sacrifices himself yeah uh that was a really weird moment i, I was so into that scene and yeah. that show in that episode i was yeah. like delenn is about is willing to give up her life to prove her her point her what well, to, to prove her, her allegiance to her people yeah you know and it was a beautiful moment yeah. and i was very touched by it and i didn't think she was gonna die but it was one of those moments that uh that where you where you can really damage your character right. in a way that makes the uh, the consequences feel a little bit more real. Yeah, and then the other guy sacrificing himself kind of kind of spoiled that moment for me a little bit. Yep, because I think that if if that had been his turning point where he was willing to work with Delenn and then they worked together for the rest of the season, right. that just would have been so much more satisfying yeah. and interesting. It was strange. Well, it's also he wrote himself into a corner in the sense of making it one person is going to die. Right. You know, this, this is weird Mimbari culture. <laughs> right, totally. Yeah, and I, I felt like she, I don't know, I don't know. I, I wanted the show to, to show how people can come together. And yeah. that was a great moment for that, where the warrior class and the religious or right. cast, the warrior cast and the religious cast are coming together uh, and then letting the, the worker class take over. It was so right. good. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. all of that stuff was brilliant. Yeah. And and that was a point in the show. I'm like, this is a good way to go. It's like, you have these two ideological sides that are fighting against each other and there's all these people ignored in the middle. Right. Ask them what we should do because we're fucking it up. Yeah. That was... Very profound. It's really good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's very a, that's profound. that's a, that's a high point for the show. Yeah, totally. It's dealt with well. It's an intelligent solution to their world's particular cast problems. Totally. You know? And I think that the having the big moment of that guy killing himself put it over. It was just a little too much for me. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it just kind of it kind of uh, deflated that moment just a little bit. It's heavy. It's very classic JMS heavy handedness. You know? Yeah, where I think there was a subtler. Yep. solution there that would have been more satisfying <laughs> those have accused him of having a gentle hand yeah yeah and i feel i feel bad because i actually i think that he's 
a really great writer. And I actually he, he started reading be. some of his comic books. Yeah, his some of his comic books are really good. Yeah, I actually uh, read his Superman Year One story. I forget what it's called. Oh, nice! I he read like that. rebooted Superman. Oh, okay. Uh, with with you know basically like what would have happened at the end of Smallville, like him coming to Metropolis and becoming Superman, oh, okay. basically. Yeah. And it was really great. It was it was basically instead of Man of Steel. Instead of watching Man of Steel, which is a bad movie, you can read this and and get a more get the, modern yeah. take on like Superman becoming Superman. Yeah, and I really liked it. I thought it was super well written and nice. um and really really good. It made me. I actually checked out a bunch of his comics. I haven't read them yet, but yeah. I'm just very interested in him as a writer. And me I, too. I think that he, on the whole, did something like pretty remarkable with Babylon Five. Yeah, but I I do feel like. Uh, he was young when he made it. Yes, and I think that uh, maybe he's. Maybe like the seeds of a really great writer were there. Yep. Even though I have a lot of problems with the execution of the show that kind of grow as I watch more of it. Yeah. <laughs> um I do I do see the kernel of like real brilliance there as a yeah. creative force. And it he would have been I've well served by having a room, by having uh-huh, uh-huh, if uh-huh. there was a team of Absolutely. writers that worked on yep. the show, him as the, the it's why and I'm I'm on the fence about we've talked about it of the hypothetical Babylon Five modern reboot, yeah, where you have someone like JMS as the showrunner, and then a team of writers working on the show collectively, right? But it's not just one person writing all these scripts and no one else, you know, right? Yeah, it's like the show, but you can't call it Babylon Five because yeah, the show in itself like makes that impossible, right? You know, you can't have another Babylon Five. It is the last right of the Babylon stations. You, yeah, and if you were to do something else in that universe, this seems to. Of course, there's something that you could tell, but this seems right. to be like one of but, the most interesting. Yeah, you can't call it Babylon Five. I don't see how you can. You could, right? It's yeah. why Crusade was Crusade. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and then it, it kind of makes it pointless in yeah. a way to right. reboot Babylon Five if you have to call it something else. Right. That's why I liked what you said last time. Just I'd like to see another show like this. I'd yes. like to see him do another do sci-fi else. show. Yes. Which yeah. I, means I should watch Sense8 because he did that and I just haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah. And I've heard mixed reviews about Sense8. So have I. So. It's him and the Wachowskis and that's like such well, a... Well, that's the two that's worst. That's a firecracker of a combination right there. <laughs> that's like saying like, oh, these people are too chatty by podcast. <laughs> you get a third person. <laughs> yeah. All you need is, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Damon Lindelof to join that room <laughs> and you'll have the most, the most volatile show ever created. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, the, okay, but to JMS's credits, he wrapped up the stuff that he set up for the most part. Yeah, yeah. I, I said like I think I've wavered, but I think he's like eighty percent. Yeah, I mean he definitely he definitely did. I I think that the he opened up this this kernel this like thread. He unraveled this thread of like Sheridan coming back different, right? And and being a little bit messianic and maybe that's bad. Yeah. But then didn't really address it. Uh, and then showed Sheridan doing things that I didn't agree with. Right. So I actually was really hoping that they were going to open that and he would have to check himself and his power at some point. Right. And they really didn't do that. Yeah. They just kind of made it more and more like he is this, the savior figure. Yeah. And I, I've talked about that recently on the matrix trial. I'm just not into that as a story point. Yeah. Agreed. Um, as, as someone who didn't grow up inside of, you know, Christianity, uh, and having it like used against me in many situations because that I wasn't Christian, it just made me kind of turned off to the to those type of tropes. Then I, I have guess. bad news for you about oh, Deep God. Space Nine. You know what? Deep Space Nine is one of the only scenarios that, that I thought they pulled it off. Okay. I, the whole like Cisco being uh, the, the emissary of the prophets. Right, right. I actually love the way that they did that. 
I really love the way that they did that. And I, that, the, the whole idea, the, they actually, okay, Babylon 5 <laughs> got close to that also with the Vorlons. Right. The Vorlons being angels. Right. Um, I actually really love that also. Yeah. And, and then they become evil angels. Yeah, totally. We, we, have, good we have so much to talk about. <laughs> uh, but, but Benjamin Sisko being the emissary of the prophets, and the question is to whether or not he is this religious figure. Right. But, but looked at through, through tr- a really truly science fiction lens right. was really beautiful and fascinating to me. Yeah. The, the way that the wormhole aliens exist in all periods of time at once makes him being prophesized to be this thing and sure. also being this thing makes sense. Yeah. The same way... And actually, you know, Babylon 5 totally did this also with Valen. Like, yeah. the fact that Sinclair is Valen right. uh, was amazing and brilliant, like, prophetic yeah. storytelling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and very in a very similar way. And I loved that. And if, if you're talking about, like, a religious figure, how they become a religious figure and it happening through science fiction, I'm super into that. Yeah. But when you inject something along the lines of, like, this happened this way because it was destined to. Right. And that's the only reason. Yeah. Then I get a little turned off. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Cause now it is just faith of religion. Right. And yeah. And I don't know. I mean, the Babylon five didn't do too much of that yeah. for me. I, I sure Sheridan is like a, uh, a messianic figure, but because of the fact that the last episode wasn't his dream. Yeah. You don't really have to take it that seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And also, I mean, clearly, uh, uh, Sinclair is literally a right. messianic figure. Totally. So Sheridan's nothing like that. Sheridan right. has the trappings of it. Right. Uh, I think Sheridan rejects it. Uh, Sinclair leaned into it and literally started writing prophecies, <sighs> you know. Yeah. I mean, Sher- Sinclair, in my opinion, did what he did because it was done already and he knew that he had to. Y- yeah. Well, he, he knew that if he did. But then you get a paradox like, well, at what point did exactly. he. Exactly. When, yeah. when did he first do it, like, unironically? Yeah. <laughs> And I, I would say never. I yeah. think that he's always been in this loop right. where he has to do these things. And I think that that's fascinating it from, is. as a story perspective or from a story perspective. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Because he's not someone who would do that on purpose. Right. He is someone who would only do it if he knew that the fate of the galaxy rested in him making the same choices again. Right. He had to. He had to. Yeah. And I think that being a religious figure is really fascinating. Like Doctor Who, you know? Yeah. Doctor Who continually... Uh, saves people because he has to. Yeah, and it's not. And he sometimes he gets gets a god complex about it, right. and has to be checked. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that's really beautiful. You know, it's it's just such a well plotted show on the whole. I mean, I had my issues with yeah season ten, but we won't talk about that today. <laughs> um, but I I just I like that when characters get in a position where they are. If they're gonna, if you're gonna tell a messianic story of some kind, right? Like, show me why I should also question it, yeah, and show me why it's also flawed somehow, yeah, or or show me something new and interesting about it. Like, don't make me watch the Passion of the Christ. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to see something with that sort of a, you know, I don't know. I, I don't like stories where you're just supposed to take it on faith that this is good and this is bad. Right. I want to be told why. Yeah. And if you're not going to tell me why, I want you to show me why you can't tell me why because it's too complex Yeah. and open my eyes to that a little bit. Yeah. And, and this show did a little of that. It does, yeah. Especially with Londo and Jakar. Yes. But yep. but there was a couple places where it it told me like, oh, yeah, just take this for granted that Sheridan is a good guy. Right. And I it lost my trust because of that by the end. And I wish that they had done more of the EarthGov afterwards 
basically saying like, yeah, Sheridan, you did what ultimately was beneficial, right. but you still have the issue of disobeying orders. There's still right. these other things, legalities that have to be sorted out. And they right. they very intentionally sweep it under the carpet. And mm-hmm. it's another classic JMS where he's just like, look, I've built this like, here's this compromise. Right. We're going to give you all these things and you keep your mouth shut. Okay. Yeah, I mean that one actually worked for me. Yeah. Like the compromise of uh like you we won't press charges, but you can't be here. Right. You, like, have you to can't leave. be on earth. Yeah. You yeah. cannot hold any office of power. Right. But I, then they rub it back and then they Babylon 5 rubs it in his face basically of like, haha, Earth, now he's in charge of this new alliance. Yeah. That you're a part of. Yeah. It it it, it I was imagining myself throughout the season as someone on Earth looking at what Babylon 5 was doing. Yeah. And there were several times where you wouldn't have to use propaganda. You could literally just tell the truth. Yeah. And I would not want to be on their side. Yeah. Or I would be very suspicious. If I heard that there was this organization of aliens uh, that were coming towards Earth to kill us. Yeah. Um, and... And it's being run by this man who tricked them into <laughs> allowing him to patrol their borders. Right. I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> oh, shit. I'd be really concerned. And, and it's interesting. That was also interesting as a story point because from the outside, I still took Sheridan's side, of course. Yeah, of, of course. Of course you do. Yeah. Uh, but I would have loved a, a story... Where you're told that like this guy whose side you're taking is also wrong, yeah. And I think that Deep Space Nine did that with that episode in the Pale Moonlight, where yeah. uh, spoilers for Deep Space Nine, where uh, Cisco tricks the Romulans into joining the Dominion War. Right. He Classic did episode. the wrong thing. He knew it was wrong. All he the way. worked with Garrick to do yeah. it, who's yeah. like the most corrupt person you could work with. Uh, and then he says at the end, like in the most intense speech ever, and I'd fucking do it again. Do it again. And, and delete this delete log. Delete the record, yeah. It's it's brilliant. So it's good. so good. And yeah. it really does, it, it grounds Star Trek in a way that Star Trek really needs. And yeah. it makes the, his whole story work so well for me. Uh, oh, we have to do Deep Space Nine we after should, this. We should, yeah. I, this makes me want to rewatch Deep Space Nine because oh, I yeah. love that show so damn I just much. did. I, I would watch Deep Space Nine again. And oh I, my God. And I just watched all, because we were talking about Babylon 5 and I was like, I have to see them side by side. So yeah. It was really, really interesting. Yeah. I kept well, the pace I, season by season up until recently and then finished it up. Yeah. If I, I'm unsure about how long the podcast will continue. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't want to like say for sure we will do it, but I really want to do that. Then and, if we don't do it on a podcast, will, you watch we'll the season it. and we will be. <laughs> and we'll just we will talk about it. it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I. If not in podcast form, then maybe even just like a live stream or something. Because I'm, sure. I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing with my <laughs> or life. Or I'll break into your house, <laughs> yeah, totally. and I will come, and I will say, I demand you to explain. Yeah. I mean, I miss Deep Space Nine. Like, it's a show that I want to see again. Yeah. I've, I'm not watching as much TV these days. Oh, uh, yeah, Which, yeah. It's, it's hard for me to commit to, like, a seven-season-long thing right now. Sure, yeah. I do so much stuff where I have it on in the background. Yeah. You know, so that's that's a thing where I get to burn through... Totally. Maybe I'll get back into knitting and watch Deep Space Nine because I've seen it. You know, yeah. I've seen it almost every episode at least twice. Yeah. Um. Some a couple only only once, but like most of that show, I've seen two or more times. So yeah. it's not like I need to, you know, pour over it to right. talk about it again. Right. But I do need to watch it again to like have a good discussion about it. Yeah. Well, what happens is then rewatching a season gives you the impetus of like, oh, here's a discussion that's contained in this area. Totally. Yeah. I do. I also. I also like recognize the value in rewatching something sure. and seeing it again and seeing like the shape of something and w- as w- presented to you 
in its entirety to understand it. When when things that happen earlier have bearing on what happens later. Right. That see that's one of the things that's interesting about Star Trek is that's not always the case. There's totally. like some a little bit characterization development. But yeah. Babylon 5 so interesting to to have the developments um Pre-planned. set up early. Yeah. 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 Totally. That's, and that's rare in shows. It is rare, and I want a show that does that and then pays it off in a way that satisfies me. Right, and that's you know, Battle of Fine's still the not there. It's, it's close. Yeah. That's the hard thing with all these serialized shows. Yeah, I, I we, you know, we've talked about Lost a lot, right. Battlestar Galactica, yep. Deep Space Nine. Yep. Um, the the way that these shows end, like the last episode, is so important for right. for how it shapes the whole story. Yeah, and Babylon Five does have a second season finale yeah show finale they filmed one it's called sleeping in light or something oh. that was filmed at the end of season four uh because they didn't know that they were going to get a tnt season five oh. and um once they got when they got the tnt season five so i think they wound up not broadcasting that and then broadcasting it at the end oh really yeah yeah so you have what is intended oh. at the series finale oh okay Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so that flash forward episode was not the intended end of the show. It's not the intended full end of the show. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. actually helps me a lot. I as a as an end of the show, as like a pre-planned end of the show, that drove me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what I thought that was. I think yeah. that's why it bothered me so much. Yeah. It's possible it was meant as like the penultimate show. Like right. I doubt that they would have done this at the end of season four. Yeah. Although who knows? The guy's a weirdo. He might have done like <laughs> b- before we jump into like the season five stuff. It, like season five, I think, is like telepath war stuff. Things that are talked about in that jump forward sure. and things that are set up in season four. Yeah, the fact that the telepath war didn't happen in season four surprised me. <laughs> Given that every episode seems to be like some new major. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And like Bester yeah. being this antagonist throughout the whole show. Yeah. Like when does that come to heads? Yeah. So I, th- my guess would be if I was looking at this, I think the Shadow War would have lasted maybe half of season four, uh-huh. and then uh, the other bits would have gone uh, through the rest of season four, and then the Telepath War and some of the stuff from season five of the Liberation of Earth would have been Liberation of Earth and Telepath War. I think might have been a season five. Might have five. happened like at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and then maybe he cut out the Telepath War because he didn't have the time. Sure, if he's just getting, it's not and then one got of, to tell a little bit of it in season five. It, yeah, yeah, and that then, makes sense. And then you know, liberating Earth, you couldn't cut that. That like right. if you're looking at like shit, I had five seasons planned. Right. I did make a lot of promises. Well, okay, you gotta get Clark out of power. You right. know, you have to defeat the shadows and the Vorlons. Yeah. Which was on a changing gears entirely. Yeah. One of my strongest memories of why I love Babylon Five so much while I was watching it. Because I was watching that and Deep Space Nine concurrently while they were on the air. Yeah. I could barely remember anything that happened in Deep Space Nine, you know, just yeah. bits and pieces. But I could definitely remember that here was this sci-fi television show that had engineered this battle between light and darkness and the solution was to have the people caught in the middle go nope <laughs> and i love like i loved it so much i had yeah. been led to believe by every other show i'd ever seen that it was going to be this just intense battle and somebody was going to come up with some way yeah. to kill both of these people or something and then that would be the conclusion was not at all prepared for them to basically talk it out Right. And say, we're done. We're done with all of this. Yeah. And I loved that. It was very similar to the solution for the Minbari people where like the people caught in the middle are going to decide because these other two sides shouldn't be able to make these decisions because they should be able to like work their shit out. Right. They're, you know, as mature as they claim to be. Uh, And I really, really liked that. I loved 
bringing in the first ones. Yep. I love the first ones leaving, leaving and like yeah. basically willing the galaxy to those that are left behind. Yep. Uh, and it really set it up to make Babylon 5 the place where everyone came together on a galactic scale in a true way that yeah. was a little bit beyond what had already been done. Right. It's not it's not like a, it's not UN anymore. It's like the federation. Right. It know? is, right. So instead of it being, you know, San Francisco on Earth, right. it is Babylon 5 out right. by Epsilon 3. Yeah, totally. And in a way that is actually maybe even more inclusive than Star Trek. Yeah. Cuz like the federation you know, they show the Federation president at one point being an alien, yeah, um, like working on Earth. But the fact that it's like it came from Earth right. and it's still on Earth, yeah, yeah, it's uh, very human centric, exactly. And even though Babylon Five is very human centric, it's not even affiliated with Earth, yeah. When they when they defeat the shadows, yeah, they're actually like active antagonists against their own planet because their planet is not representing the best interests for the galaxy, right? And they're willing to stand up to that, and I I adore that. I I love that very deeply, yeah. you know, and that's why I was so invested in the first half of the season is yeah. because like these people are standing up for what's right, even if it's against their own people. Uh, and that's why I was so excited to see it developed and, and disappointed when it's they used like tactics that I wouldn't trickery. have agreed with. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Because I, I like TV that shows us better ways. And yeah. I think sci-fi is one of the best yeah. places to do that. And, and JMS does it sometimes and other times he falls back onto like really yeah. silly. Yeah. It's it's almost childlike. But There's think, certain things yeah. it feels it feels like he doesn't necessarily understand large machinations of political things and so he just is like ah it's just a trick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a chi- it's it's almost a childlike solution. Yeah. I I don't know. I lost so many of the details of like yeah. the political stuff yeah. because I just assumed that I would know by like people being happy or sad whether or not they were like doing well by the end of the season. Yeah. I mean like the main strokes I I understood but it got really back and forth for who was on what side for a while in the yeah. middle. Yeah. And it's, it, there's no need for it either. Right. It's it's totally. it's, it's needlessly confusing. Right. And it's an it's all it's all this elaborate stuff that he does to come to a, a terrible solution to the problem. I felt like it would have been more effective if those same things had been spread out more so I forgave all of it, but I yeah, recognized that I didn't need to retain it so I stopped yeah. paying as close of attention yeah and i'm just like yeah it, well if delen's upset then these guys are bad then these are bad know. right yeah. right right <laughs> uh yeah but i also kind of liked letting that gloss over me a little bit in the way that i like scandal again yeah. like, <laughs> because scandal is like the most uh like that of any show that i've ever seen where people are switching sides constantly yeah and i still enjoy it just for the drama of it yeah like, it happened in heroes and i hated it and, yeah and, and this show it, it happened a little bit but i kind of liked it yeah uh, in babylon 5 where it's like okay well this government's good this government's bad oh no this government's bad now oh no this government's <laughs> bad um but i enjoyed i don't know i liked the drama of it i i was yeah. still into it i we there's so much we haven't talked about in this oh, season yeah. it was so dense lorian cathargia cath- yeah uh Cathargia? Uh, Cartagia. Cartagia. Cartagio. Yeah. Yeah. Cartagia? Cartagia, I think. Emperor Cartagia. Emperor Cartagia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how, how did you feel about that whole story arc? Uh, I like it. I mean, I love that, that this is... Uh, it's like watching... Uh, right now populism rising up in other countries hmm. so in babylon 5 you're seeing that like oh earth is taken over by like this terrible government oh look here in centauri same thing you've got uh, like yeah. a terrible government taken over here um totally. but also way worse yeah and all because the shadows had been planting these 
uh, seeds of power for the wrong people. Yeah. And, and that's it, that's the other thing, though. It's not mind control. It's just right. saying, like, what if you had power? Right. Oh, then totally. shitty people would use it. Yeah. And I really liked that. I, yeah. I actually loved the whole arc with Cartagia. I thought yeah. that was really great. Yeah. He's a bit broad. And I can I know he rubs some people the wrong way. Yeah. But it's also delicious in the, how broad and silly he is as a murderous. And right. it's also straight up like we're doing Caligula. I mean, that's yeah. what's happening. Totally. And it worked for me. I mean, yeah. the whole thing about him believing he was going to turn into a god so he didn't care about his people anymore right and then he wanted to burn his whole world so that he would become a god it's yeah. all oh yeah it's so good yeah can i uh scoot your hot filter oh yeah sure it's like really close to the mic and get it a little bit further away that might be me headbutting it they're also they're totally pieces of shit <laughs> is that good they were five dollars on amazon oh nice yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, so all of that like rang really true for me. I liked yeah, it. I like that. Arc. I like the way it worked for Londo. Yeah, it shows a, con- a counterpoint to mm-hmm. Londo as well, where yeah. Londo was like, oh, he's like this jokey nothing of a guy. Oh, Londo's becoming like a real evil person. Yeah. And now you're looking like, oh, there's levels of evil right. way above Londo. Totally. Like Londo is power hungry, but there are. There are extremes to that that even Londo won't cross. Yeah. Lines that he won't cross. Yeah. And then also, you know, he freed. Jakar's people. I mean, it was kind of his fault. Yes. But he, I think, made big progress in this season of realizing yeah. that there are good choices that he can make, and it's just up to him to walk down those paths instead of the paths that lead him to more power. Yes. And he starts to make better choices yeah. that have galactic repercussions. Yeah. Uh, and then something just so beautiful and brilliant and wonderful about him and Jakar's relationship yeah. toward the end. Yeah. Although... Even that was spoiled for me a little bit because Jakar kind of turns into Londo's lapdog by the end of the season. He's just following him around and taking insults and just going like, oh, you, and not saying anything in return. <laughs> yes. And it's like, what is that? Right. He's, I agree. He's like his pet now. Like, yeah, it wasn't, why, it wasn't written this, well. Where's the like fiery warrior, yeah. uh, you know, like wise monk hero that I've come to know and love in Jakar? Yeah. Why isn't he saying something to Londo to make him feel bad for mocking him yeah. with his wisdom? Because that, that would... That's what I would imagine that character to do in that environment. Agreed. But he yeah. he just like takes the abuse because he likes Londo now. Yeah, I, that really rang false and kind yeah. of soiled that a little bit. And I I would have liked to have seen personally more challenges from Jakar about Londo's uh, sudden conversion and sudden you know yeah. uh, switching over to fighting against the shadows because I really feel like it was only because Centauri citizens were at threat. If yeah. if the shadows had never done anything that threatened the lives of the Centauri, I feel like Londo would have kept going along with it for a lot longer. I agree. And I think that doing the right thing felt good enough to wake him up to what was happening in the rest of the galaxy yeah. and to his own uh, faults and racism and right. or xenophobia. Yeah. Um, and I love that as a... I loved all of that. I thought that was really, really well done. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it all starts with Cartagia. I, I think that yeah. I, I really enjoyed the flamboyancy of that character. Yeah. Uh, it was, they just really swung for the fences in a way that I thought was pretty effective. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It helps that he's broad. Yeah, totally. It, it answered your question about the hair, about the Centauri hair. Oh yeah, when he changes the style. Yeah, because now yeah. it's short hair, but they just so they have the tiny little. Spikes. Yeah, I liked that a lot too. Because uh, remember we talked about that like season one. You were asking what's going on with like what is it? Yeah, and I was saying I think it's just hair that's gelled up. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of them do wear wigs to be in style, right? As as you know, the wigs would have like yeah. looking at our own history or like, yeah, or English the history. what is it the uh uh, I want to say barristers the barrister wig in uh britain where it's the yeah, yeah like parliamentary wig. yeah like, yeah yeah that thing yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, yeah, and that, that started to make more sense. And I, you know, I don't like the design. I never liked the design of the Centauri. Uh, just their costumes, the set design. It, yeah. it just all felt so like we're in Italy now. Right. That, this is Rome. Yeah, Look, totally. Is, uh, and I could have used something a little bit more out there and creative in the way that the show has been yes. with other species. Yep. Uh, so that always disappointed me a little bit. But by at this point, I'm used to it and kind of over it. Right. And I really enjoyed what they right. did they're with that story. Called the Centauri. They're you yeah. know there's this. <laughs> yeah, they're Italian. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I really really liked that a lot and. And then it was all kind of tied up with the Shadow War ending, yeah. which happened so abruptly Very so quick. early on in yep. the season. Uh, and, of course, there's uh, there's Lorien. <laughs> I don't know, how to, I don't know uh, how to feel about Lorien. What's I mean, the, is L'Oreal the company that has, like, because you're worth it? <laughs> Every time it was on screen, I kept thinking to myself, Lorien, because you're, you're worth, worth it. it. <laughs> I why like why did you bring me back from the dead? <laughs> because, because you're, you're worth, worth it. <laughs> Um, I I really enjoyed his character. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Uh, do you know who plays him? I don't. His name is I think Wayne Alexander. That uh, sounds so familiar. Uh, he played someone else in Babylon Five. Who? Uh, <laughs> he played. Is it Jack the Ripper? He played Jack the no! Ripper. No. Yes. <laughs> 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 oh god and he plays he played one other character in season four. Oh my god i think he played remember when sheridan is being tortured at the very end end and then they bring in a drazi uh, oh yeah 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 he played that drazi okay interesting he's, he's like the actor he's the jeffrey combs he's the jeffrey combs <laughs> he's wayun man yeah. <laughs> but yeah when i found that out that he was lorian and oh my god uh, that's hilarious sebastian Ugh. <laughs> but yeah, I I liked Laurie and I He's a weird he's, he's there's a nothing weird presence. and I there's nothing it. like him in other sci-fi shows. That's another yeah. thing that's so uh, one of the things I was reading someone talking about Babylon 5 is this is when it's Babylon 5 clearly establishes itself as like, yeah, we're also kind of a fantasy show. Yes, it's sure. sci-fi. Yes, everything sort of has a science bent to it, but we're also f- leaning hard into space magic. Yeah. You know, it's like we have no Star Trek usually tries to dance around the edges of space magic. Right. They try real hard to keep it at the edges. Right. Doctor Babylon, Who embraces it. Doctor Who embraces it. And then this was Babylon 5. Just like, yep. We got a little of that, too. We got a little <laughs> space magic. Yeah. That reminds me of... Uh, He's wearing a crown with jewels in it. He is. He looks like he came straight out of Middle Earth. Well, his name, Lorian, there's a character from Middle Earth. There's like, Oh, a char- that's right. Yeah. The elf, right? I think so, yeah. And he's like a, an elf. Yeah, and he's a tall, long-lived alien. Yeah, he's an elf. He's, yeah, a, he's space an elf. elf. he's a space elf. Yeah, but there's something about the idea of these societies that get so old that they turn into almost gods. Yes. Uh, which is really interesting to me. Agreed. And I love... I One thing I did love about that last episode is when they show a human getting into an encounter suit, like a human's energy. Yes. Oh, you're the finale finale where there are a yeah. million years in the future. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it looks like humans evolve into something akin to the Vorlons. Yeah. Which... Was really interesting, yeah. I thought, and uh, well, I mean, raises all these questions. Like, could could Vorlons be the future of humanity? Like, maybe yeah. we evolved into that and developed yeah. some sort of time travel where sure. we exist I mean, in all places at once. Well, they've already shown it where you know uh, Sinclair goes back in time uh-huh. and is this Valen, and he's right. flanked by two Vorlons. For all we know, humans are what eventually become the Vorlons traveling totally. back in time, you know? I, I liked I, I liked that flash forward. Yeah. I enjoyed that one. Which yeah. is, it's the most out there one, but it, it is it said, very weird. But it said the most to me about like the world of the show 
uh and i don't know that that episode i feel like could we'd need to i'd need to watch again and like pick apart what bothered yeah, me about it sure or it what i liked about it because yeah. that's like it's like five different episodes all the time it sudden. is yes yeah, yeah it was very canonical for Leibowitz. what you read that book there's this like sci-fi book oh yeah uh, canonical for Leibowitz, yeah which i read and didn't really enjoy but yeah I, that's with with yeah. mouse or mouser and that sounds right i don't remember much i it was like uh a big part of it, there was like sections of it that were all in the future after a post-apocalypse. Yeah. And, and there was like monks that are living in this place and but they're talking about what had come before, you know, race. and like, and having lost like the memories of the, I, in my memory, they were like humans that had lost the memory of what happened before the apocalypse, which yeah. is almost exactly what happens in Babylon 5. Yeah. yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's a direct nod because maybe uh, Bester's character is a direct nod to, um, uh, what's his name? Bester, the writer, I think. Uh, oh. Alfred Bester, some like sci-fi, fifty sci-fi writer. That doesn't ring a bell. I'm a bad sci-fi nerd. Oh, that's okay. But I host a sci-fi podcast. I have but, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, well, this is like fifties, you know, fifty sure. sci-fi white male uh, sci-fi writers. Yeah, and I think I'm positive that I know that his character is a reference to that, and I think it might be Alfred Bester. Interesting. That's cool. What's the like the stars ourselves? I don't know. He but he's yeah. written something that's you know several things that are. Yeah. Classics of the genre. So it wouldn't surprise me if JMS is making nods totally. to uh, Canticle for Leibowitz uh, with that particular uh, yeah, thing. Totally. That also that brings up a really good point in that I'm not judging the show based off of when it came out. I'm judging it oh, based yeah. off of my modern sensibilities. Sure. And I think that the events of the last year, you know, I mean, Donald Trump being elected, the Me Too movement, all this stuff right. has made me really reassess my relationship to social media and to media in general including social media it makes a difference yeah and this show hit me at at the perfect moment for that because that's what it's about yeah uh and and i was a little disappointed in in its conclusions yeah but but (laughs) i'm also not judging it against the time that it came out because even asking those questions at that time was very progressive well well and it came out at a time of a more like hopeful future and then it yeah and then here's a show that's like nope yeah and now we're living in a time where that, like... Babylon 5 is going, I told you so. Yeah, that, like, nonsense is happening. Yeah. Uh, I remember when Homeland Security was announced, and my first yeah. thought was like, oh, great, Home Guard. Ah. You know, that's... It's <laughs> happening. This is what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the takeover of the news station, you know... Oh, the, the ISN, so ISN well. ISN was lo- really well done, and yeah. it really reminded me of Fox News, and, yeah. like, Breitbart News, and... Uh, fake news. The whole idea of fake, fake news, news was concocted by people who wanted you to question reality and question what you were being told by the media. Yeah. Uh, and the you know, on the one hand, it's like you should question what the media tells you because they're always trying to sensationalize things. Yeah. To get ratings. But on the other hand, there is there is this idea of journalistic integrity where you're supposed to try your best to describe what happened in a way that is true. Yeah. You know, and in a way that does not contain emotion or any sort of slant or agenda, right? And and Fox News operates completely against that. You yeah. know, so the same way that the that ISN operated against that. And when you get inside of that a little bit towards the end of the season, you find out that they are doing it uh, because they they're like, well, who cares? Like the whole system is broken. We like right. we should be the ones who have control. Yeah. Um, like we should be the ones in power, so who cares what's real? Yeah. Who cares what's true? Like if this is best for humanity, this is what we're gonna this do. Is what we're gonna do. And both sides act that way. Yeah. Uh, so 
you know, it was really interesting. Like just just showing that was interesting. Yeah. And showing how that how easily that can happen yeah. was really fascinating well, to I, me. I, I think that there's it's one of the other reasons I do like Babylon Five because of the the because of the stories that were told, even if certain things aren't addressed in them, and even if all it is is revealing the the um weird blind spots of one particular person, JMS and his writing right. that you do wind up with having like the Marcus story where you have like, Oh, okay. This is like a terrible weird thing. But then there's also, this opens up this uh, whole other Avenue of discussing his obsessive feelings right. and his blindness of his love for someone without actually being aware of her as a person. Right. Like that's, I think there's a fascinating story there. That's, Oh yeah. Totally. Uh, that's accidentally opened up. Right. Because of JMS's own, obviously weird views about love and sacrifice and, you know, totally purity. Yeah. I mean, what I would have done if, if, if I had to use that story element, the way I would have continued, it would have been to say like, Marcus isn't actually dead. He's like crippled. You yeah. Know? He was crippled by this selfless act. And then as he's trying to recover his body, he learns that what he did was in vain because she never wanted this and she can never love him that way. Right. Uh, and then he has to come to grips with, you know, w- with with reality. Yeah. W- the reality that he has created. That he had this weird obsession with right. this person that he and, obviously and, didn't know. And maybe learns how to live with his uh, w- whatever crippling sci-fi condition that he has and be grateful that he at least learned how to see reality. Right, right. You know, that's a. I think that's a very worthwhile story. Yeah. At the same time, you know, Susan would have to learn how to get over her guilt that she had been saved in this way. Right. Uh, and m- maybe when she feels healthy, she's ashamed because she should be dead. And then right. she has this feeling of like, well, if I should be dead, then should I even continue to be a part of these events that are happening? Or should I like leave and go do something else? Like I, I what, who am I? What am I now? Right. This, like she could go on a, a, a walk about the way that yeah, yeah. Did, um, <laughs> to like another away from Babylon five entirely and yeah. like learn like again, who she is and how she can be herself. Like there's, there's a, a story to tell there that yep. uh, was just like pooped on you and then like flushed down the toilet. Yep. And you don't get it. You never get it. Yeah. It's unsatisfying. Yeah. I mean, even, even keeping it as is and Marcus dying, like telling Susan's story past that uh, is, I feel like it would have been really important, you know, yeah. to give closure to that. And I don't know if that happens in season five, but I have a very strong feeling that it doesn't. Right. I have a very strong feeling that this is never brought up again. And I don't know if I'm correct about that or not. Right. But I'm not supposed to talk to you about until you see it. Yeah. Please don't, yeah. don't, don't ruin this for me. But yeah. in my, in my mind, like, that is that's going to be thrown away. Right. And I don't know why I feel that. Yeah. But I don't know. I think that I watched this assuming it was the last because I right. knew that season five was tacked on. Yeah. So I I know that season five is kind of outside of the five year yeah. story arc. And, and well, yes and no. I mean, yeah. it, because it is the fifth year. I right. mean, they only jump ahead one more year. Right. So, but yeah, it's. Uh, I guess I, season five wasn't pre-planned the way seasons one through four were. I do. No, I disagree with you. Oh, really? I think that the arc originally included five seasons. Right. Then he thought he's going to get four. Right. So he cherry-picked what he wanted from, from the last two from, years. From, okay. From, yeah. yeah and that, then that makes more sense. Tossed it out and then found out like, oh, I do get five so I can... So he had maybe like half of a season and had to fill it in with other stuff. Fill it in with other okay. stuff, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, make up maybe make up some new stuff. Uh yeah. so did he know by the time the 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 last couple episodes aired of season four that he was gonna get another year? Uh that I don't know. I, I my understanding is that production had wrapped before there was any Yeah. Like he finished writing and filming season four before 
season five had been, you know. So maybe the only thing they got to do was save that episode that was supposed right, to be the true Right, end. It might have been like during while it was being broadcast or something. Yeah. I don't know. For all I know, they broadcast that finale and then just after that pulled it and then kept it on the, because oh, on the DVD, yeah. it shows up on season five of the DVDs. Okay. So. Yeah, interesting. And then if you look online, there's all these people who are like, do you absolutely do not watch this at the end of season four. Yeah. You must watch this at season five. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I... That's really interesting. I thought that that was about the last episode that I saw, the yeah. jump forward in the in the future. Yeah. That's what I assumed they were talking about. Yeah. So, and that, that made me mad. Yeah. So <laughs> knowing that that's not true that's is, not the one, yeah. is actually very helpful. Yeah. I think that I maybe I judged this too harshly because I thought it was his end of the story. Well, I'd say prepare, brace yourself to half hate watch season five. Okay. Because it, it's, now it's like, here's a mature show that's getting better special effects. Yeah. It's being, it's a reprieve. It's it only, it's only going to be the one season. It's not like TNT's like, yeah, we're going to make Babylon five for another. It's like, you get one, we'll do this one season of this show because it seems to be popular and fans love it. And then maybe we'll do another thing, which turns out to be crusade. Yeah. So it's, it's in it. It should be in its perfect element for him to be able to make a really solid season. But then it's just like, Oh, some weird choices. Yeah. Well, I'm sort of excited to see it. I I don't know. I'm still a fan, still a fan of the whole thing because, you know, and it's, I was thinking about this earlier about Deep Space Nine, and it's something I, I say. I was thinking about it earlier. I've probably said it literally on every podcast we've done, <laughs> where that Babylon Five was trying for something big, right. like it was just like I'm gonna fucking slam dunk to the moon, right? And Deep Space Deep Space Nine was like, let's do another Star Trek show, and I have no problem with either of those choices, but I feel that if Deep Space Nine hit the mark of we're going to do another Star Trek show and then surpassed it. Yeah. That's solid. Where Babylon 5 was going for something, you know, he's, I think he said it or other people said it like a novel, you know, yeah, I'm going to totally. do a, a TV novel. My take on that is, I, to, I totally see what you're talking about. My take on that is that JMS went for like slam dunk on the moon. Yeah. And, and I don't know what the point was. <laughs> and that bothers me. Oh, that's fair. But there, there are moments where I feel like I get it. Yeah. But then there's other moments that feel like that can't be because yeah. the show doesn't seem to know what it's doing here. Yeah. And if, if what I thought was the point is the point, right. this wouldn't have happened. And, you see, know? For, and I like to pick apart shows like that or yeah. to say, like, maybe this is the point. Or here's a theme that recurs. Sure. So I'm fine with the show having no point. Yeah. And I feel like for Deep Space Nine, the point was to make a Star Trek well, it was their first opportunity to make a Star Trek without Gene Roddenberry. Right, without because, his weird gross fingers and everything. Well, I mean, that's one way to say it. Like <laughs> I I mean, I I know that it's a complicated history and sure. all the stuff with like his lawyer and all that, but yeah. but for better or worse, Gene Roddenberry was like so insistent that this future be a bright optimistic utopia people utopia. don't fight with each other right yeah, yeah and deep space nine introduced the seedy underbelly of that right right and, which with is like more section believable. 31 and yeah. you know uh just like quark in general right uh, and i think that they folded it in there like really thoughtfully it and, fit well because and, it shows yeah. it like this is something that exists underneath the layer of the federation you've only ever seen one two ships in space with right. some glimpses to the world Right. This is like no. Let's just show like day to day operations. Yeah, and the the whole idea of not traveling, but the universe coming to you. Yeah, was really interesting. The whole the whole idea, like the wormhole aliens, and right, right, Bajor's occupation by Cardassia. Like to me, sure. to me, that show is about um, dealing with trauma. 
the trauma is like ended when the show starts. Like yes. the, Karda- the the occupation, the over. occupation is over. Yeah, the, that episode in season one uh, with I think what's his name like Maritza or something. Uh, the Cardassian who was actually like kind of like a Hitler character, right? And then had gone into hiding and then is being interrogated by Kira Norris. No, he's not like a Hitler character. He's like working for Hitler, basically. Yeah, yeah, or something Gerbils. like that. Or, or no, I don't remember exactly. He was like pretending to be one and was the other. I don't remember. Yeah. But that episode was was an insane and yeah. beautiful and so thoughtful. And like as a Jew, um, it was it felt to me like what it would have been like for a Jew to talk to a yeah. German soldier who had run a concentration camp. Right. And then to them to find a, a, a common humanity between them. Yeah. That is powerful storytelling. Yeah. You know, that to me was what that show was all about. Yeah. Is uh is like well, just war, you know, like how war can break people apart and how to hold on to y- your good intentions during war. And I think that Babylon 5 is actually about the same thing. And and I, I'm more comfortable with the conclusions drawn by Deep Space Nine than by Babylon 5. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Because the c- conclusions drawn by Babylon 5 are very dark. Yeah, which are totally. that, that people are terrible and and also that other species are no better. Yeah. And that as soon as you give anyone a small amount of power, they'll abuse it. Yeah. And then even the light the heroes of the universe, the people that were the literal the angels, oh, they're also assholes right. who have planet destroying weapons, who have sick of your shit, now they're gonna start blowing up planets. Yeah. Like, oh, nobody's good. But there's also this like beautiful like all these species came together for a common good to fight the shadows. And right. maybe we can like spark this into a kernel of, uh, of an organization that can do some real good in the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's something wonderful about that. Agreed. Right. And there's... so it's like the show is trying to do that also. It's right. trying to show you <laughs> the way into a utopia. Right. While also telling you, well, it's not really going to matter gonna happen. because like humans are going to fuck this up anyway yeah. <laughs> in 10,000 years. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you telling me? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know how to feel. Like, what do you want me to know? What have, are you trying to share with me? Have hope, but on a long-term scale. Yeah. And then in the short term, just, but if the, if that is a human turning into a Vorlon, which I think it might be, I mean, I think it's fifty fifty in my. I don't eyes. think it's so. I don't think it's a human necessarily turning into a Vorlon. I think that uh, non corporal energy sure is, has to be in in an environment. Like, well, no, is to, is a future of any species. Oh yeah, yeah, because totally. Lorian is shown as yeah. being a giant ball of energy. That was that was the conclusion I took from it. Until like tonight when we were talking, uh, yeah. and as we were talking, I'm like, I wonder if he became a Vorlon. That's actually the first time that I thought, hadn't thought had about that before. To me. I like that better. That's, I like that that that's, yeah. You know, I I hadn't actually considered that until I said it earlier tonight. <laughs> but um, but the more I think about it, the more I think that maybe yeah, because it really looked like an encounter suit. An encounter suit, right? Yeah, it's, it's either it's definitely technology that they got from the Vorlons or discovered independently. Yeah, or if you are a being of energy and you need an encounter suit, this is what you do. This is what you do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you make a thing with weird like. Like little lava tubules on them that will like puff out smoke. That's what I always imagine. Anyway, uh, yes, I'm. I don't know. It's. I'm so obviously I'm conflicted. There were like things. There was so much, so much about it that I really loved. I, the whole Vorlon turning against the galaxy thing yeah. was really great. It's great. It's perfect. It's, yeah. It was the more wonderful. I think about it, the more I realize it has to be that way. Otherwise, it becomes a strange morality play right. of like, oh, but there are these pure beings that you know are right. different. And right. we, we fight for them, and their power is what we use to overcome the evil aliens. Yeah. And it was never good or evil. It was these people believe in an aggressive form of evolution, mm-hmm. survival of the fittest. These people believe in 
rigid, structured stasis order, you know? Yeah. When they showed the visions of them when they were in that, like, weird mental space, that was great. Like, the the Vorlons being shown as the... Was, like, the woman in the glass? I don't remember what you're talking about. Oh, okay. That's, it's, Wait, tell me more. Uh, when me. they were doing the negotiations, the, the, the climax of the fight between the Vorlons and the Shadows, Delenn oh, right, and Sheridan right, right. each were talking to one right, or the other. Right, right, right. And they okay, were showing I'm the visions you. of it. Gotcha, And the gotcha. vision of the Vorlon was, like, this woman with like a white it was all in white and then inside of like this weird glass structure uh-huh. with like a blinder or something over her <laughs> right. eyes but it was just strange it was just like this strange abstract thing right but i thought it was a really good representation of like you know this is this is stasis this is kind of like a a death of your civilization which is complete structure complete order yeah and it was interesting it was interesting to have kosh replaced by new kosh he was a who dick. was a dick <laughs> yeah yeah total dick uh like someone who was more like kosh was kosh prime <laughs> was evolved yeah. but still valued life yes and 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 kosh an 2.0 <laughs> uh <laughs> just think about Tosh Tosh 2.0. 2.0. Yeah, it's perfect <laughs> uh kosh 2.0 <laughs> was uh i forgot i chuckled so hard i forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't care about uh, oh yeah didn't care about life yeah and only cared about you know the greater balance of good and evil yeah um to the point where like, like the rest of the Vorlons, well order or chaos i think yeah, that's, it's better order, to look at, that's yeah. great yeah to the point where they would choose order over chaos at the expense of exterminating you know billions sure it's what you get with like robots where they're like oh uh-huh, totally peace on earth goodbye humans totally yeah. yeah i mean it is like hal 2000 that is what it is yeah. when you you program something for order and it can't have that human emotion it's like you know mccoy and and uh spock being the two sides of kirk right of right order right. and chaos yeah uh yeah and and seeing that there there is a balance in between that is probably wiser than yeah. either yes and and no one should have the choice to make these type of galactic decisions for another person right you know and if someone's trying to force it on you you have to reject it but you cannot, in turn, um, make those decisions for anyone else. And right. I feel like that's where the Minbari kind of come from, or especially the religious caste. Yeah. And and Delenn's compromise is that like the two halves, or the two thirds of this society who are trying to be in charge shouldn't be allowed to. The third that doesn't care. Right. The, the third workers. that's just trying to live should be the one to make the decisions. Like there's, I felt like real wisdom in that, and I felt like yeah. uh, like that's what the show was. That was what the show was trying to tell me. It's yeah. like. Uh, if there are these type of ideological disagreements, you have to remember that there are people on the other side who don't think the way you do, and yeah. maybe you're misunderstanding each other because you can't think the same way, yeah. and maybe there's a middle ground that you'll both not necessarily yeah, be happy a, with, but yeah. maybe is the better way to go. No, that's a real good point. Yeah, and I and I wanted that to be the message of the show, yeah, you know, but it, I felt like that got really muddled by the end. Yeah, yeah, and it, you'd have to take it as being like a side message because it's only applied right. to the Mimbari, totally. not to the humans. But you, yeah. as you were saying that, it made me realize the Mimbari also, they didn't have the same thing as Earth and Centauri uh, Prime with a, a popular uprising or like a corruption of a government, right. but they did have like a, a temporary madness among their cast. Yeah, they and, did have a civil war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, well, yeah, right. They went, well, I was thinking of like the the stuff with Ducat, which is also a delicious oh, yeah, I overlap love... to Deep Space oh, Nine. Oh, wait, you're talking about Ducat in uh, 
Babylon 5, not yeah. to cut from Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so oh, both great characters. Both great characters. Both right. delicious. <laughs> uh, so then uh, that turning into their temporary madness where they almost destroy humanity, and then they back off to the last minute. Yeah. But then they still delve down into their civil war, but right. they never quite have the same level of like a bad emperor or, you know, a bad president. Right. They just, they go crazy on their own and then sort of like, uh, shake themselves out of it. Which yeah. Is which I liked. Yeah. I liked a lot. I, I think that the Minbari had been presented as more evolved. Yes. Emotionally. Yeah. than the humans. Yeah. They're, they're so, a better ideal of, of, on all of culture. Levels. Yeah. On yeah. culture, on religion, on technology. Yeah, absolutely. So seeing them work out their fight, pretty quickly yeah was good i yeah. thought like that rang true to me like the fact that they had a civil war at all was at first disappointing it's like oh well here's another example of like people just can't live together and society just sucks no matter what yeah but then they work it out and it, it, i like that i mean i i guess what i'm getting at here is that i feel like like yes people can't live together and <laughs> humanity has a tendency to suck like yeah. i get it like i see that but i think that there that like humanity as a whole has to make a choice not to do that or we will destroy ourselves. Yes, absolutely. And and I think that making science fiction, making art, you know, if you if you feel that way, make art that points that out to other people. Right. And pres- if you have an idea for a better way through, show it, you know? That's so powerful. Right, right. And I that's why, you know, I'm so all about like inclusion and yeah. just showing different faces. And e- even if the only message you can think of is like, well, people who look different can work together. Yeah. Like that is so worthwhile yeah. because the, the people that are spinning, spitting propaganda in you and fear at you will tell you that that's not true and they're wrong. Yeah. So showing the other side of that, like I've been reading Miss Marvel recently, which is oh, yeah. uh, the rebooted Captain Marvel where it's a like teenage, uh, like Muslim, Muslim girl yeah, who yeah. becomes a superhero. And it's awesome. Like, I'm really enjoying it. And it shows you inside of a family that you normally wouldn't get to see inside of. And right. seeing someone from that um, who's very unstereotypical become a hero, but but done in a way that just it's very light and fun and feels natural, but it has real weight to it. Yeah. You know, as all good superhero stories do. Right. Very much like Spider-Man, like with great responsibility comes great power or the other way around. <laughs> um, and I just really appreciate it, you know? And I, I think that... Babylon 5 is trying to do that. I, I do too. I think it wants to be hopeful. Yeah. I think that it's just also like, we're going to show you how shitty it is. Right. You know, we're not going to make any illusions about it. I like that. I like, I want something that's hopeful that shows me how shitty things are. Cause then I'm like, oh, you get it. You yeah. see person JMS, you see how shitty people are. Yeah. And you see that there is a way through that. And you're showing me that with Londo and Jakar. Right. And you're showing me like what they have to go through. Like Jakar has to lose an eye and you know, Londo has to, what, what did Londo lose? I don't know. Well, I, uh, arguably he loses his humanity. Uh, there you go. You know, yeah. Or his, his centaurity. His centaurity. <laughs> he loses his centaurity and has to get it back. Yeah. Um, but then also we know yeah. that it doesn't end well for him because, because of, of his future. Of the future. future. Yeah. Where yeah. he's got one of those things on his shoulder. You know, he's. Yeah. He becomes emperor and we don't know. Like something goes wrong and we right. don't really know what it is. But. Right. I think with without knowing, I'm pretty sure they don't show that in season five. I think what we've seen now of future Londo, I think it's all we get. Oh, really? I think oh, that's so. interesting. Uh, but I may be wrong. So what I'm saying is that this is not me spoilery. This is me, me as if I'm watching and projecting. Yeah, forget sure. it. As if I've never seen season five. My guess would be it's the Drock War that they never really, you know, they talk about that here. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
that was, seems to be an artifact of that, where there are these shadow minions that are left over, and one of them attached to that assistant who then they let become the prime minister, remember, at the uh, for the end of the uh, Centauri stuff. And then he's got that weird eye on his shoulder. Right. And then we know that Londo gets one of those in the future. Okay. I did not notice that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I like... I love what they did in season three where you flash forward and Sheridan is married to the land. You see yeah, Londo in the future and there's yeah. like the, the hint that maybe something has changed between him and Jakar. Yeah. Um, I loved all that stuff. And if that's, and I loved seeing that time period again in the, <gasps> in the beginning, in the beginning. Oh, yeah. That's such a good, that, and so that is supposed to be the preface for people that are going to watch season five yeah. on TNT that have never watched any other episode. So gotcha. that's what it's. Okay. Yeah. And so chronologically, it takes place first, and you get a bunch of backstory right. on the humans of the Mimbari. But it's, you should not watch you it first. Never I think watch that, that is first. absolute bullshit. Well, Anyone who tells you that is flat out wrong. And you'd be so disappointed because you're like, oh, now the graphics got real <laughs> shitty. <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. The special effects from in the beginning were really good. Yeah, because now you're at like yeah. TNT. You're getting some better money. Okay. That explains it because I felt like they. I watched uh, Third Space also. Same thing, yeah. And I, I thought they were better effects, but not as good as in the beginning. Yeah. And that confused me. I'm like, why aren't these as good as that? But that makes sense then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was like shots. I'm like, wow, that looked good. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> that looked yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, I really liked in the beginning. I. Oh, it's so good. I thought it was really good. Like getting to see the Earthman Bari War. Yeah. Never thought I'd get that. Yeah. Getting to see Sheridan make those commands i never yeah. thought i'd get to see that yeah and it, it's it, this is the this is where i feel like at its best babylon 5 has you in the hands of somebody who is really knowledgeable of the story and of the back it didn't feel like eh, let's just make up a mimbari war yeah it's very clear that and how well woven that is into previous episodes right from all of the seasons there's like little scenes in that one that get wrapped up merged into in the beginning right so clearly this is all something that was <laughs> in mind you right know? and then the the guy who's killed that makes delenn go crazy was ducat right yeah yeah okay yeah, that's her mentor her performance in that moment yeah. is so over the top yeah yeah like, i love mira ferlin yeah i love her i oh. think she's wonderful and it shows you how terrifying delenn you know we're, the, the universe is lucky that delenn is a peaceful person right because totally. her pissed off yeah, that was intense. Intense. I I questioned the I questioned that acting choice. It's the only <laughs> only acting choice of hers that I've ever seen that I questioned. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Really? Yeah, because it's it is like an insanity, and it's as over the top as you can imagine. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she, and it's interesting that like her madness at Ducat's death is really what kicks off the war. It does. It's direct. She's directly responsible for the death of millions of yeah. human beings. And even though she wanted to stop it, like shortly after, it's, it had gotten away from her. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was still kind of her responsibility. Yeah, they, they, they. I like it. They say it in a way that's like, oh, yeah, good point. It's a holy war. Yeah, it's the religious caste, and then eventually the warrior caste. The religious caste basically opens the door and right. says, "What if we just murdered these people?" And the, the warrior caste it's is like, like, "Great, yes, sure, yes, absolutely." I've been waiting for someone to ask. We haven't murdered for a long time. Yeah. We're really good at murdering. We're really good we're at murdering. Happy to do it. Uh, yeah, I really like that. It also gave a little extra layer of complexity to her relationship with Sheridan because sure, yeah. she is directly responsible for the war that he fought in. Yeah, and now they're in love. Yep. And they didn't really address that, did they? They don't. And it's the same thing even with Sinclair, where like there's uh, there's a complexity of their relationship, let alone that you know he is her distant 
father relative because she oh, has right because she has DNA from that's him. right. I didn't even know? think about that. <laughs> so yeah, they do not. They do not they address don't... the emotional weight of having known Valen. Yeah, like yeah. Delenn. I, f- I forgot that she knew that because at one point she's like in Valen's in, name. like talking about Valen and said and then we learned that he was Jeffrey Sinclair right, like, right. oh you do know that that's don't right you? you do remember why why haven't we unpacked that why haven't <laughs> right. you and Lanier sat down and talked about that and how transformative that would be for Minbari yeah. society absolutely like is that common knowledge on Minbar don't know that 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 would be nuts though yeah uh, that's that's the thing man like you drop a story thread like that it's just juicy and delicious yeah. and i need to know because every <laughs> character who is involved in that situation would be wondering you know like yeah. every every or not wondering like every every single minbari who found out that valen was a human it would blow their minds right like they would go through a crisis of faith they, every they, single one cuz they, they not do, showing that is crazy agreed and they do address that they knew that there was human, or that there was like a DNA, not like human souls. Right. They knew something they didn't want to tell the rest of Mimbari because they were worried right. about how they would take it. Right. But that was before even knowing, like, oh, an actual human was Valen. Was our, yeah. yeah, our space Jesus. It was unclear to me if, like, the population knew or if just the Great Council knew. Yeah. I was unsure that anyone else knew until she mentioned it. I think it was at a Great Council meeting right. that they she must have, spoke it out loud. She must have told someone else. Yeah. So it seems like the Council knew, but. Yeah. I might be misremembering that because, you know, between Lyme disease and weed, I'm having a hard time remembering <laughs> things these days. I'll be honest. But so in, in the beginning, also, I really like it. They've it's been clear since season one, but this makes it full on explicit of how the Mimbari fighting humans was like a hot knife through butter where there was right, effectively right, right. nothing the humans could do to stop the Mimbari. Totally. And even the Centaur were like, yeah, good fucking luck. Yeah. You know, they're going to they're gonna kill you. They're just so oh, much yeah. better at this than you. That reminds me, they shoehorned all the main cast members Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And it to was, varying results. Yeah, it's, it was not a good choice. No, like Jakar and Londo like meeting on Earth. Yeah, that I could have done without that. They didn't need to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like seeing Ivanova like come say goodbye to her brother. brother yeah, I mean, I kind of liked that, but I also was weirded out that she was a civilian at that point. Yeah, and there's nothing much. She just is there to say hi. Yeah, you know? I mean, if she had just been like a part of the military, it would have made more sense to me. Yeah, it was a little jarring to see. Like, how young was she supposed to be? Like, how long has she been in the service? It doesn't make sense anymore. Right. Um. Yeah. Like seeing. Like I don't, I don't need to know what Stephen was up to during the war. Yeah, it'd you know? been okay to skip that. I, I guess because he went on a mission with Sheridan, and I'm at the point. And wasn't Londo on that mission too? I, I got to the point where I stopped believing it because <laughs> it just seemed kind of shoehorned together. Yeah, Londo was there because he was on the surface when. Uh, yeah, yeah, when they were trying to, what were they doing? They were like, I don't remember. It didn't quite make sense to me, so I tuned it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But I, I was a little annoyed by that. I'm like, yeah. okay, I get it. Like, you have all these great actors and you want to use them, so you've right. got to make and something up. And you're not making a thing. F- you're making it specifically with the people who haven't seen the previous ones in mind. Right. So that now they're going to watch season five and maybe they'll watch some of the reruns yeah. if they're showing the reruns on TNT. Like, oh, this is how these people met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, that it's, reminds me. Stephen Franklin's hair. Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> um, it like it turns gray on half of his head throughout yeah. the season, <laughs> but then at the end of the season, when all the the shit is over, it goes back to being black. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, I'm that's pretty funny. sure that happens. Uh, it's like it's like the stress turned his hair gray, and then he dyes it black at the very end. <laughs> that's funny. I was very confused by that. 
I'm like, I don't know. I don't get it. I wonder if also if it was because that was one of the things. This is like shit gets filmed out of order. Yeah. Which I feel like that's a that I never hear about that happening with shows now because so many of them are strictly serialized. Right. You're not filming that out of order and just showing it whenever you want. But when I read articles about the same thing with Star Trek, you're like, oh, this episode was intended to be broadcast at this point in time, but they didn't for whatever reason. Right. I'm like, you can't do that now, right? Because yeah, totally. <laughs> things like, have to be... <laughs> at the beginning of season three of The Next Generation, like the episode that was... No, it's the beginning of season two. I think it actually happened in both seasons. I know for sure it was season two, the episode The Child that was the pilot. Ah. Or, not pilot, the premiere of season two. Yeah. Was not written to be the first episode of the season. It just ah. became that because <laughs> of all the episodes they were working on, it right. made the most sense to go first. <laughs> and that's the only reason it aired first. Right. So that's weird. insane. Yeah. Like now you write like a crazy kickoff of your season when yeah. you start the first episode. Yeah. I That's one of the things I noticed while watching Deep Space Nine, binge watching it on Netflix, where I'll be like, I'll look, I'll pause and I'll say, when the fuck did I get to season three? Yeah. Like, when there was no finale. There was no cliffhanger. And there was no, like, big opening. It just happened. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. It's it's weird. That's something that always bothered me about TV that now has been right. fixed to the point of being obnoxious. Right. And Babylon 5, again, not to, you know, keep pushing the show that I like. It, this is what we're talking about. That's what I love about it is it's very much of... of the forefront of that, of right. the serialization. Totally. Like, yeah, now serialization has gotten to be overdone and, and not, they're not doing it well. I'm glad that they're doing it, but I still think they can make improvements. Babylon 5 is like, oh, we haven't really tried this yet. Yeah. So you're going to make a bunch of mistakes while you try yeah. to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, serialization to me gets closer to life. So it gets closer to telling like a true human story. Yes. Yeah. And un- uncovering something about humanity. Yes. I think is deeper arcs yeah you can get deeper yeah Yeah. totally uh and it's interesting to live in the day and age where that's just how tv is being made and then you get to see like varying results in that being done yeah it's really satisfying i mean god what's a what's a good example this is a random example but i just watched the last episode of uh, a show called episodes recently oh i just i'm i am not at the finale but I'm, i'm up to season five yeah, I loved that show. So good. Um, season one is amazing. It's really good. It's yeah. really brilliant. And the show goes very downhill after that, yeah. but it's still worth watching. I still like it. It's fun. Yeah, it's yeah. worth watching. It, it becomes like Californication after a while, which sure. I still watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the first season had like real drive to the yeah. story and felt like a vision was there, and yep. I really loved it. Um, I stopped feeling that way immediately after season one, but I actually loved the way they wrapped up the show. I won't say anything. Okay, yeah. We'll have to talk about this in the future. Yeah, yeah. I'm, but, all, I'm, I'm, I'm at like two more episodes, maybe three. Oh, nice. Yeah. The, something happens in the last episode that made me feel like it may, It helped me understand the point of the show oh, and the gotcha. point of view and why it was made and oh, what great. it is. Yeah. And I already had a good sense of that. But then to like put a button on it and tell me. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Was so satisfying. I hope that this episode that is the sleeping in light does that for you for Babylon 5. Oh, my God. I really hope so. Yeah. That would make me really happy. I can't really think of anything else off the top of my head that does that. Because like my favorite TV finale of all time is is the last episode of The Next Generation. Ah. And it, no, it does that also because it tells you like this show um, was was the trial of humanity. Right. You know, humanity has been on trial this whole time. We've been watching you to see if you make good choices and you have. Yeah. And and the show is about showing positive choices. Yeah. And and making like and doing the the right thing and doing good right. because it is the right thing. Right. And and like leading through positive example and it's all it's that's what it's about yeah uh and 
and it's beautiful. And the last episode tells you like that's what this has been. Yeah. And if you haven't picked that up by now, you're missing the point. But having it reaffirmed by the creators is satisfying. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a way that Lost told me nothing in its finale. <sighs> like the, the last season of Lost was like, what has this been? Like, right. what am I watching? Why did you? Do Why this? is this? What is this? Yeah. You better tell me in the last episode. And then it's something even more weird and out there that I don't like. And I'm yeah. just like, this was dumb. <laughs> yeah, and, and it didn't have, and I keep harping back to that, is having a plan ahead of time. Yeah. You know, and that's, I feel like Babylon 5, amongst all of episodic television that isn't based on existing material that has an ending, books or whatever. Right. There's, there's, there's not a show that has done as much to, if you look at seasons one and two, and tally up all the promises that they're making or the things that they're yeah. laying groundwork for, they come, they, they've got to have like, like I keep saying, 80% wrapped up. Yeah. You know, that they address totally. in a way that uh, Lost is like, even the stuff that they say they wrapped up, it's like, yeah, but you clearly didn't know this when you were at season one. You yeah. just are just, I could come up, it's like a fan theory that you film. Right. You know, and that's, I don't like that feeling. I don't like yeah. it when it just The is. smoke monster is... Oh, it is sounds that like guy? A, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds like a chain for no reason. You and know? they they gave better explanations of what the smoke monster was throughout the show than right. what it actually was. Yeah, and which was also very frustrating. Yeah, and then but you're like, right though. Babylon Five has infrastructure it has in a, the story. And it has a plan. Yeah, the, the plan is clear in someone's head from the beginning. Yeah, you can tell that the story has been built on something. Yeah, and and what it was built on did not change. Throughout the run of the show. Yeah. For better or for worse. Right, right, that, right, right, that, right. That alone is an achievement for yeah. sure. And something that I really appreciate. It's as why a I think Game of Thrones and The Expanse both feel really good is because there's something that they're based on. You know, there's right. There's existing material. Or the Marvel universe, man. Like the oh, the, yeah. the, te- the movies are yeah. are I, I listen to a lot of Kevin Smith podcasts and he talks a lot about how Kevin Feige has like been the mastermind visionary behind this this like chain of films for a decade leading up to the yeah uh the first half of Infinity War right and I totally buy into that like I I think that that is some of the best like pop culture storytelling yeah the Marvel Cinematic Universe I think is just not all the movies are great but some of them are some of them are real great they're all at least entertaining yeah and they are all like there's this like sense of you know showing how to work together that's at the core of that, yes, that's very powerful, and yeah. I think a brilliant message to be portraying out in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, especially I, I, I'm ashamed to admit I haven't seen Black Panther yet. Yeah, but really especially good. because of you know the way Black Panther has been received. Yeah, um, they're doing good, man. Like they are doing good work for humanity. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I want to see out of out of my sci-fi. Sci-fi, that I watch. sure. Yeah, because yeah, that's the. Dystopian sci-fi is good to a point, but if it just too much of that in your diet, and it's just yeah. too depressing. I love dystopian sci-fi. I think that the I, you're right. Like too much is depressing, and I can't like only watch The Walking Dead because I'll go <laughs> right. mad. But like telling a story about like what happens after the Earth is destroyed. We've talked about this broken worlds, like shows that are set in broken worlds. Yeah, there's something there's something cathartic about it to show you what you can avoid. Yeah, and and I think that that does show a positive way forward by showing you what could go wrong. Right. I think it's just, don't do this, you know, like don't, don't like destroy each other with nuclear weapons because then you'll have to like deal with some Mad Max shit in the future. <laughs> it's not going to end well. I don't know. Maybe you want to. I know some people that would want to live in that environment, but I'd prefer to keep, you know, the internet and, and stuff. And what I learned from Babylon 5 is that 
if you are trying to work in the best interest for your species or your race and you encounter a race of weird people that shuffle along and have skulls for faces and wear tattered robes <laughs> and take 20 minutes to <gasps> shuffle into your ship and they and they talk like this <laughs> they probably don't have your species best interest in heart <laughs> It's it's also that to me is that that scene where they show the drach is like the threshold of Babylon Five. It's 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 almost like an apex moment for me. That was the dude that was like blurry, right? Blurry, right? Yeah. And then it's I rewatched it, and it's about a minute and twenty seconds of no dialogue, and him just walking from his ship down a corridor yeah. to the Mimbari meeting. And there are like, I think they show scenes of the Mimbari, like looking around while he's shuffling in yeah. in that weird, he's not of our dimension and right. he's blurry and weird. Yeah. Yeah. And he just looks like, ask a child to draw a demon monster from space. Yeah. You're not going to be far off of what this looks like. Yeah. And then the Mimbari who entered into negotiate with negotiations with this creature who, of course, fucked over the Bimbari, he's later on going, Delenn, I had no idea. I <laughs> only had the interest of the Bimbari at heart. I loved that scene. I, I did too. It. It, it was I think it's wonderful. It's, I was like, he's blurry. It's cool. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it is taking forever. Yeah. But in a way that I thought was wonderful. It's like the starship porn from Star Trek The Motion Picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I appreciated it. Yeah. I, I I I'd never seen anything quite like that where no. where it was so visually clear that this species did not exist in the same plane that we do. Yes, yes. And I'm like, it looks terrible, but I love it. And I love it. It shows that Babylon Five is at its best when it's exaggerated. You know, that's interesting. Subtlety, yeah. Is like Cartagia was that. It's, right, exactly. But so is Jack the Ripper. Jack, well, right. Jack the Ripper is where it's like maybe okay. It can't just be exaggeration. <laughs> It also has to have not been a dumb idea from the get-go. Yeah. And having the very idea of having the Vorlons, where that also, the Vorlon thing starts to make a little more sense. You're like, oh, yeah, that's why these good guys were torturing the agents that they were hoping to have fight for them. Right. Because the Vorlons are assholes. They were like, yeah, they're testing them, like literally testing them in a way that's shitty. Right. To find out if they are the people they want them to be, and they pass that test. Right. But it's also jarring at that yeah. point in the show, because at that point in the show, you think these are space angels. Right. Literal totally. space angels. Yeah. You're like, why are they being such dicks? But, now, yeah. And there's also the implication that they actually are angels in right. the way that, like, maybe Jesus had something to do with the Vorlons. Yeah. And our biblical imagery is based off of Vorlons. Right. Because they're like, what does that say? And right. I think that that's really interesting. And yeah. again, like I wish the show had gone deeper into that. Yep. And I feel like it tried to in the last episode by by placing uh, like Sheridan and like Ivanova and Garibaldi into that sort of right. biblical position. You're now these people. Yeah, but but I felt like it was, but because I didn't trust Sheridan explicitly the way I used to because he had like used some propaganda Show against the, the good guys. Right. I had started to question if like. Like, what does this mean? You know, yeah. I don't know. I But it is interesting. Like, it definitely spurs on some conversation and gets you thinking about shit. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. Why, again, I always go to Babylon 5 as being such a good show. Because if you have watched it, there is a lot to talk about. That's, yeah. You know, it's a really... They tried to put a lot of meat on the bones, even if some of it sloughs off and didn't come out cooked. <laughs> but yeah, exaggeration. They're, I, I love the more exaggerated stuff that they do. 
the what I'm saying is the um, Sebastian and the was a good idea. Show the Vorlons torturing yeah, totally. them to test them. Wrapping a wrapping that up by saying, "Oh, it's Jack the Ripper." Wink. That's foolish. Like, Absolutely, and yeah. that's classic JMS of yeah. just like Ugh. so heavy-handed. Yeah, and yeah, I I felt that with pretty much every like everything in the in the latter half of the season. Every time they wrapped up a story thread, there was one thing that felt foolish in there to me. Yes, it, yeah. to varying degrees. Yeah, absolutely. I I felt like the end of the Shadow War was really well done. Like yeah. that being timed with like removing Cartagia was really well done. Yeah, I mean seeing Veer have to kill someone. Yeah, for the, for the good of his people. Yeah, and have him was be really affected powerful. by it. Yeah, totally. Yep. Except, okay, <laughs> what was the deal with Morden this season? Like Lava Man Morden yeah. was ridiculous, and then he comes back and he looks totally fine. Like yeah. two days later, right? And, and then he gets his head cut off, and Veer laughs at him, and they cut back to that moment where he's like smiling at him, and, right? And that's felt out of character for me for Veer, like well, who the man who suffered to kill Cartagia is like, yeah. laughing at the death of this other person. Well, it didn't feel right. What it's a heavy-handed callback, right? Because of because he said to him, I hope that I'm there. Right, totally. Yeah. yeah. He acted out what he said he was going to do. Right, right. But it bothered me because I felt like it would have been a more powerful moment if he'd cut back to Veer saying he was going to do that and then looking at Cart- looking at Morden's head in, in pain. Taking it more seriously. Exactly. Right, right, like right. that would have been more powerful yeah, to it, me. Because it's, it's, that's who Veer is. Like, yes. Yeah. And it's JMS. It's very tone deaf. It's like, I think this is funny and poignant, but it's like... Now. It's weird to have a show where the characters are so specifically drawn and so distinct as as individuals. Right. And then toss it out the window for one scene. Exactly. And yeah. he does it for several characters. Uh, several yeah. times he, like Absolutely. obviously with Marcus, but yeah. Yeah. And I felt like a little bit with Sheridan too. Uh yeah. when Sheridan starts to make questionable decisions. And I'm not sure if they were um I couldn't decide if, if JMS was trying to make him make questionable decisions right. or if it was like JMS thinking these were good things and that being questionable. I think it's the second and I still think it makes the show interesting because you can talk about right. those questionable decisions. Yeah, I mean I love I love that. I I I love that in theory. Like I'll sit here and talk to you all day about whether or not Benjamin Cisco did the right thing in right. in the Pale Moonlight. Yeah, but see that one's explicit but, in the show, which yeah, is great. Can that, I give what, you another example? Oh no, I don't want it. You're talking. I'll wait. I was just going to say that that one's explicitly supposed to be divisive. It's explicitly supposed to upset people, right? And also make you question whether or not it's right or wrong. And right. the show does not answer that question. They leave you it can't. Yes, it and can't. I think, right. Yeah, it can't. And I think that that's part of the beauty of Star Trek is to say like there are some things that we know and some things we don't know. And if we don't know something, we should probably give it the benefit of the doubt. Yes. And there's this one time where this guy crossed the line, and we have to give him the benefit of the doubt because I don't know what's right or wrong there either. Right. And and that's powerful storytelling. It's also very rare for Star Trek because like totally section thirty one is almost always. They're shown like we're just bad, right? You know, yeah, we do these things that we say are for the good of the Federation, and maybe they are. I don't know, but we don't. There's no argument made about it one way or the other. We're just you're the bad guys we fight against. Section thirty one is 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 a deep well of 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 confusion for me. Where like there are episodes that involve it that I love, but on a whole, it doesn't seem to quite fit in the world and seems kind of shoehorned in. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and, it's and, like, let's be dark for dark sake. Exactly. In the Star Trek universe. Yeah, totally. And I'm not saying that that shouldn't exist. I, that the section 31 would exist, but it didn't, 
that's heavy. That is their version of a heavy handed kind of totally you know. of like dun 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 yeah. storytelling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. So what did so what did you think of Third Space? That's the only other so, of the movies that I watched. Oh yeah. Well, so it's hard for me to talk about Third Space because I watched it originally midway through season five when it was originally broadcast. Gotcha. And so for me, it was a very jarring thing because, you know, uh, things had changed between season four and season five. So now all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's a here's a movie about Babylon five. Yeah. And uh, it takes place, you know, a year ago when things were different. And also I'm not it's it's a it's a fine sci-fi story, but also it has nothing to do with any of the serialized mythology sort of aspects of the show. Right. It doesn't really go into anything. You, it doesn't reveal anything about the Shadow War or anything else where in the beginning you get this like ooh deeper vision of the Earth Mimbari War. You get right. to you see more things. You get you get to see Volando in the future again, you know. Uh, there's there's more there that uh, spoke to what I had liked about Babylon 5. And so Third Space was a really well-produced, uh, interesting story in the Babylon 5 universe, but that didn't have anything that was what I loved about Babylon 5 at the time. Yeah, I I liked the first third of it, but yeah. it became really predictable yeah. and kind of boring to me. Like, yeah. I, it did not really hold my attention. It didn't need to be a movie. Yeah, it felt like it was made because they thought it could be cool instead of because, like, they had a story to tell. Absolutely. And that's, it's, it's, I think it really, you're in the right mindset for that, that it feels like a TNT, like, okay, we're going to buy a season hmm. and then we're going to get some movies that we can also, you know, because the, the, that third space you could show in reruns because it's disconnected from everything. So it's just like, here's just like a sci-fi thing, you know? Yeah, here's like a sci-fi B-movie. Yeah. Like, you know, that makes a lot of sense because if I were going to buy a property that was like four years into a five-year, like, long story that Mm -hmm. was supposed to be five years. Right. And and like putting it out on a new network, I you know, I would be concerned that I would not carry people over and that no one would want to start a show that right. was like well into its story. Yeah. So it would be a good idea to have some standalone shit. Yeah. And I mean Third Space definitely was that. And yep. it was like kind of kind of cool, but Yeah, but it's not it's it's yeah, it's mediocre. It's like uh There were moments that I enjoyed. Yeah. But but overall, like the story, it's like the, it's the same way I me. felt about. I think is it Nemesis, the the, <laughs> the Star fourth Tre- Star Trek movie. Yeah, the, the next like, generation movie. Yeah, is this, is that the last next generation? Yeah, movie? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one where it's like, okay, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I felt about it like this is a good episode of Star Trek. Yeah. But also, I'm in a theater. You could have. You could have done more for me. Yeah. I, got, I watch Star Trek at home. You know why I love talking to you about this shit is because like we both love it pretty yeah. equally, yeah. but we do not agree on like almost no, we come, anything. We come it's apart. really interesting. <laughs> like we have completely varied opinions, but that's what I love about this type of stuff, like sci-fi and just media in general is that yeah. two people can watch it and have like completely different experiences yeah, yeah. and love it and still um, love or it, yeah. hate it for like completely wildly different reasons and take different things from it. And it's just so interesting to see like, like human brains are just so unique. I mean, no two people will experience the same thing in the same way. Right. Do you ever like look at something and like, let's say like this table right here, 
or this little thing on it is tan, you know? And we just agree that that's tan. Right. That color is tan. Right. (laughs) But, like, what is tan to you and (laughs) what is tan to me? Like, who knows if that looks the same? Like, if I were to see with your eyes for a second, what if tan was, like, hot pink in my estimation? (laughs) Could be. And then for you, hot pink was something that I would call, like, uh, purple. I don't know. Uh, Like, what what if human brains are just... We're all just agreeing on things based off of external stimuli, but what if we don't experience that stimuli the same way like right. two computers will read something that is digital in the same way like you'll see an email typed up it will look the same on two computers right but human brains are you know flawed analog devices exactly yeah, yeah. like well, we, we are like analog synthesizers as and long no as, note will ever be the same as long as we are both internally consistent then we're fine because if yeah. you if you point to I'm that not, are you if you point to that <laughs> and say tan and then Everything else that you point to and call tan, I'm like, yeah, all right. I would call all that tan too. Okay. Then we're fine. Sure. It's okay. like yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if you point to this wall and say like, you know, this is a polka dot wall uh-huh. and to me it looks smooth, uncolored, flat color, we're going to have an issue because now we clearly, even if- But even, how many people do you need to tell you it's polka dot before you believe it? If, if like 90% of people say it's not, but 10% say it is, what's happening? It's no, if, the, if one person told me this is polka dot, I would say they are way off base. Sure. What if like what if like we're in a party of like a hundred people? You're asking when could I get and like two of, people think that this wall looks polka dot, but everyone else doesn't. Now I'm the kind of person that'd be like, I'll die on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> I'll raise an army and I will crush all who call <laughs> this polka dots. And I would be like, I wonder. I wonder if, like, maybe they're perceiving something that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Firstborn That's children just, whose first word is polka dot. This is exactly why we have different experiences watching <laughs> Babylon 5. <Yeah. laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I think we solved it. What else happened this season? <laughs> oh, what did... Um, I made a note of all the Jakar stuff. Uh I did make a thing of like Jakar got pervy with his weird mechanical eye once. Oh, that was a strange. Oh, I hated that. Yeah, that was. Oh a, my god, why was that? That there? was a real bad one. Yeah, literally, Jakar was using his mechanical eye to spy on Sheridan and Delenn having sex. Yeah, that's literally what happened. Oh, in 2018, the Lunar Colony gets founded. So oh, yeah, in, in Babylon Five universe. <laughs> I'm still pissed about that Jakar thing. That was so out of character. So Again, gross. another mo- another gross moment that was so out of character. If anything, it goes back to Jakar season one, where Jakar season one, remember when he's like creepily trying to hit on um, Lita to be like, can I have sex with you so we can make telepath babies? Oh my God, I forgot about <laughs> yeah. that. So then like, it was like, he was kind of pervy, but it didn't make any sense. And then they clearly moved away from it. But if Whoa. anything, this just shows you like, nope, Jakar. Still pervy. D- pervy, right. He's he's someone who, he's this like spiritual monk warrior right. for his people. And then in 15 years, he is removed from power amidst a, a bevy of uh, sexual related scandals. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. No. Yes. I don't, I don't want that to be true, but the evidence suggests it's right otherwise. There. It's, it's in the source no. material. Uh, Shit. So Babylon, yeah, I guess <laughs> if there's any central theme of Babylon 5, it's all heroes are flawed. Yeah. Everyone is garbage. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sheridan will use uh, propaganda <laughs> to get his ends. Delenn yeah. will murder a bunch of humans out of anger. Yeah. You're summing up for me why I felt deflated at the end of season four, because 
Because is that uh, you know how like season one was signs and portents? And yeah. Season two was, you know, the, uh, the, coming, the coming of, of shadows. shadows. Yeah. This one was uh, everybody sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no one's good. There yeah. are no good people. There are no good people. Lorian. Lorian is one of the few people I can think of as a character that is just like okay, like yeah. I brought Sheridan back to life, and oh, you kids with your destroying the galaxy. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you totally. were a trillion billion years old. <laughs> no, yeah, he did strike me as like the one kind of uh, he's super chill, virtuous, yeah, like presence and he was super chill yeah. he's like yeah this these big things are gonna happen let's just chill for a second and wait for them to get here you know <laughs> yeah. we're good yeah. we're good here he was like very zen it's, and it was interesting that he was willing to meddle for what he believed was the side of good in order to get his people to like leave forever right well his meddling is one that feels like okay this objective is like what am i gonna do i'm gonna take these people who are older, older, millions of years old races yeah. out of the galaxy yeah. and leave all of the new ones to suss yeah. it out. I'm going to let the people that can force the, their decisions on others. Like, yes. I'm going to make sure that they don't get to make the decision for the people in the middle. Right. And that, to, that we, could, we keep on coming back to that. Yeah, yeah. That, to me, is kind of the most valuable lesson in the show and yeah. one that I, like, really was you tuned can, into. Yeah, and it's one that I feel like is a, it's a... It's it's hard to argue with that message. Yeah. I feel like if you come out of the show and going, you know, either the shadows of the Vorlons are the people that you're on board with. Yeah. Then you were totally, we're probably going to get along. Yeah. And I think even Londo's uh, revelations with Jakar come from the place of realizing that he, his people should not be making decisions for other people because they are indeed people. You know? Yes. Yeah. Using people in the broad sense here. Yeah. But realizing that Jakar is an individual with like thoughts and feelings and fears where he used to treat him like an animal. Yeah. And if that can be true, then everything that Londo believes has to come into question. Right. And he's willing to make that leap. I mean, that's pretty wonderful. Yeah. That's it's it's him and Jakar have the best arcs, I think, of yeah. of the show and of a lot of science fiction. Yeah. You know, the, I can't think of any other really deeply well done arcs like that that's that's played out to such totally. good effect over multiple seasons. And yeah. doesn't feel forced, doesn't feel hokey, where sometimes it's like, let's just make this dude a villain for a little bit. And now he's back to being the nice guy. Yeah. This really felt it was this was the gentle hand the rare gentle hand of JMS yeah and it's really truly brilliant and wonderful i mean it really is awesome because yeah. it's this like long slow uh unfolding of a character relationship in which it shows you how to let go of racism yeah yeah and yeah that's fucking cool like yeah. it's really valuable yep. you know for that reason alone i think just just on that reason i would recommend this show yeah. to anyone who is interested in seeing good storytelling yeah i think that that alone is worth watching yeah unfortunately it comes with a lot of baggage it does. and you're gonna have to either learn to love it or get real pissed off by the end of it yeah but but it is like a worthwhile journey to take <laughs> or jump ahead I'd, i i could see somebody saying like fuck it i'm gonna start at season two and then yeah. watch it and then if you're curious you can watch some stuff in season one and go oh yeah they were talking about stuff ahead of time yeah I like it I think part of the journey is the slog through the mess yeah there's something about liking shitty TV that has to be a part of you as a sci-fi fan like yeah if you've never watched an old episode of Lost in Space you know try it <laughs> um, because part of it will appeal to you I think yes. as a sci-fi fan <laughs> like there are elements in it that just speak to the type of stories that I like, even yeah. though it's like terribly made. Yeah. Uh, and there's like giant lizards 
that are dressed as aliens and are like wandering around and they just shoot them from down low and pretend they're gigantic <laughs> and that is an alien creature. Yep. But it's like charming, you know? Yeah, they There's tried. Th- these people are interested in the same types of story as me and it's interesting to see what they came up with. Right. You know, yeah, what do they and, do with what they knew and what do they do with what they had? Yeah, totally. And in that way, I'm, I'm really... Uh, really glad that I w- am watching Babylon Five. Yeah, and, and was willing to like take that plunge because it's one of the things that turns people off to that show is totally. the, the effects are so shitty. So people are yeah. like, eh, I don't want to watch. It just looks really hokey, and, and it does. Some of the character designs and some of the dialogue, the sets are sloppy. Some of, some of it's just terrible. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like I said, it, it's 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 like watching for modern sensibilities what your friends could probably do. Right. Yeah. That, Which, yeah no that, dig against your friends. That's been a common theme that you and I have discussed. Yeah. And it's weird, like, it's weird to get to the end of it and be so frustrated. Well, I keep saying the end. I still have a season still have, You have a whole season, yeah. I, in my mind, like, this, in my mind, the show is over, and I yeah. don't know why. Well, you know, it's, you can live in a universe where that's what had happened, and there yeah. is no season five of Babylon 5 on TNT. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, because of that, it does feel separate to me. Yeah. Like, when I watched through Buffy for the first time uh, in, within the last couple of years, um, well, for the most part, I watched like seasons one and two years and years ago, and then I watched the last half of two and, and through the end of it, like within the last two years, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and then it switched networks after season four, and it really changes tone in season five. Right. And there's like a universe where where seasons five through seven don't exist. And yeah. You can just kind of accept half of Buffy if you want to. Right. Like, right. <laughs> like Firefly, you can accept Firefly with with or without Serenity. Right. Because it, like the, the movie, not the pilot episode. Right, right. Um and that's how this totally feels to me, having not seen season five yeah. yet, <laughs> just based off of what I know about the show. Yeah. It it does feel like I Changes. watched all of it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's it, over. It, right. And you did, and now you get to <laughs> like what's left. I don't know. You get to watch the leftovers. Yeah, because I feel like they told me enough about the future in this season totally. that I that I know that whatever happens next is going to feel like I'm watching a prequel to yeah. something I already know. Yeah, in a way, it's almost like a soft reboot or, you know... Uh, They're going to fill like, in more detail in a structure that they've already told It's like me. the Netflix season of a show that's been canceled. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, this is like the return of Arrested Development. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a little different and weird, and yeah. you might not like it you as much. You might not like it. I'm really but curious. But there's good shit towards the end of the season. <laughs> I'm curious to see how I feel about it now. I'm... I think I'm going to wind up liking season five more now than I did the first time I saw it because I can I, I can tell the feelings I had why I had them for season three and four at the time was of, of how different it was and how different this was standing out from all other shows. Yeah. And I was just so like, oh, give me more of the mythology. I want more and more and more. Right. It's the hunger that I had watching X-Files and why I fucking hated X-Files because after one season, it's like, answer some more goddamn questions or ask some more yeah. goddamn questions. But but that's how I felt about Lost. Like I was craving Lost was craving like heroin. mythology. Yeah. I, it was the heroin of TV. Yeah, shows. and then they let you down big time. Yeah, totally, they were like giving you Heridan. Her- Heridan, yeah, it's like Sheridan. Sh- Sheridan's heroin. Heridan. <laughs> they were giving you heroin, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh shit, we're out of heroin." I give them a placebo, and I'm like, "This isn't the same I thing." I can tell this is a placebo. Like, this doesn't feel good anymore. <laughs> like this the- seems like the same thing, but it doesn't feel good, and I don't understand the difference, and it's really bothering me, and I want to know what's happening. Yeah, that's how I felt about about yeah. Lost. And you never get heroin, and then it's like, all right, now I guess I'm addicted to placebo. Totally. And they're like, we're out of placebo. Then I watch what, Scandal. What are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to shoot air into your veins. Yeah. Okay. That's why I watch Scandal, and yeah. I love it. Because yeah. Scandal is is like... 
I've just seen the first season of it, but I really like it. I fucking I w- love that show. Yeah. It's like purposefully like too dramatic. It well, it's is my understanding is that it's infinite escalation. Infinite escalation, absolutely. Yeah. On purpose. On purpose, right. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, but inside of that, they tell standalone stories about yeah. culture. Right. And about like what's wrong with ours. Yeah. And they've pointed some things out that are pretty prescient and uh I really love it. You yes. know, it's it's it oscillates between being like utter trash and kind of brilliant. Yeah. And it's it's a very fun ride. I'm like really enjoying. I'm in the last season right now. Yeah. It's on my list because I didn't know they did more. I saw the first season and yeah. I just thought like, well, that's it. That's a great like mini series yeah. thing. And then yeah. I heard there was like five or I was like, what the fuck? It's on season fuck? 7 now. 7. Okay. And there are some moments that like, I would talk to a scandal fan recently. Uh actually while I was playing Nintendo 64 with him on stream, which was really <laughs> fun. Uh Andy um Annie introduced me to her friend Sarah, who's an actress who, um, she's really awesome, and she came over and we played Nintendo together. It was a good nice. time. We talked a little bit about Scandal ah. and how great it is, and she mentioned something that happens in like season four or five that I think is really divisive among fans, is like a point to leave the show. Oh, I see. Sure. Um, which I, because it's like escalation that's so far that it's almost like like te- physically intense. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of difficult to watch. Yeah. It is very difficult to watch. Like it, it's definitely difficult to watch. I don't mean kind of. It is definitely difficult to watch. Um, but for me, the show was still telling a story inside of that that was worth yeah. telling. So I was still kind of on board. I've oh, never, I've never really jumped off of Scandal. I've kind of yeah. been with it. Stay with it. There's been so many times where I almost felt like I should stop. Like when I, I was watching Hell's Kitchen for a while, <laughs> and I got really into it for a hot minute, and I was like, I need to stop. Like this is bad, <laughs> and it's bad for me, right. and it doesn't feel good anymore. And I'm just doing this. To, I'm chasing this rush that I'm not getting from from it anymore, and it just makes me feel bad. <laughs> and I should stop watching it. So I stopped, and I never looked back. Yeah, that, that happened to me with Once Upon a Time. I like walked oh, away yeah. and never looked back. Yeah, but Scandal has like always been just enough. Keep coming, garbage, back. and just enough like. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That I can't give it up and I'm just in it to win it at this yeah. point. I have a high tolerance for that, so I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be it's You'd gonna like be it. I'm gonna love it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm 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 sure we skipped a lot in Babylon five season four probably i was looking through my list oh zathras zathras thank you oh my god i was gonna bring this up earlier and i forgot right, he's another like zathras 2.0 <laughs> go as high as you can go as extreme as you can and it just zathras to me is like okay we could walk across this tightrope tightrope or we could just run and see what happens yeah and for some reason zathras running across the tightrope works like it shouldn't yeah. it should be laughable it should be i should be saying this is an example of him thinking things are funny they're not funny totally this is an example of jms doing a dumb thing but it works it's okay. I still like that for once you and i are in total agreement okay zathras <laughs> is fucking awesome he's awesome but he shouldn't be every he on, shouldn't on be. paper no. it's a nightmare when zathras came back I was like, oh, Zathras is back. I was no, like, Zathras. I was like, <laughs> no, 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 Zathras. Yeah. Zathras? I was so excited yeah. he was there. And that shocked me because the first time I saw him on screen, I was like, fuck this guy. I do not need Zathras and I never want to see him again. But then he's there like when when uh, Sinclair turns into Valen, he's part of that he's story. There. Yeah. And he goes back with Sinclair <laughs> yeah. to like the past and he becomes this like kind of hero of time and mythology. Right. I'm just like, but he's like Zachthus. And then he shows up again. I was like, what's happening? Is Sinclair back? What's going on? And no, it was just like some goofy nonsense that didn't matter. But... 
but it was it was stupid and yeah. was stupid also and yet was like a high point of the season high point, yeah. and I can't explain why. So the, as we're talking, I'm starting to realize Zathras must embody some of the time fuckery that happens when you create a paradox. Like oh. Zathras Maybe that's why there's five of him or something. Or maybe there's one and he's just crazy. Who knows? Hmm. But Zathras, I think if any theory you want to cook up about how the paradox resolves itself, you get to use Zathras as whatever you want. He's the he's like the solution to an unbalanced equation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we may use the matrix terms. What's the answer? Zathras. Yeah. <laughs> He, instead of the one, it is Zathras. Zathras. And if there's one Zathras, he thinks he's five, and he actually is five, but he's also he's one. He's one. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's... <laughs> it's why Babylon 5, I, it's crazy. It's a crazy show. Yeah. It's the, Season one and four could not be more different for a show, but still, I think, be able to be satisfying at least to a, a number of people. Yeah. It's not... It's not divisive the way like Lost is or some of these other shows or or universally panned. It's I think if you can get past that hurdle, yeah, you can ultimately be like, okay, you know, Babylon Five is a good show, even if it's not your favorite show. Yeah, you know what's fascinating? Uh, so I occasionally post podcast episodes to the Sci Fi Reddit. Yeah, because uh, I just. I don't know. I want to be a part of like the sci-fi community, and that's like a big spot. That's a way to go. Yeah, in the sci-fi community, and I am at a disadvantage because I'm bringing something to the table, and that's not what anyone wants on Reddit. You know, oh. like nobody wants a person to be in a group who's like, "This is what I made." You know uh, what I mean? Oh yes, right. They don't want you to just be advertising or pitching right. things. They yeah. want you to share stuff that they might like. Yeah, that's like out there in the world. Like if 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 I found an amazing like Boba Fett uh, right. video. Right. Like that's something that you'd want to share. Yeah. And I've done like a little bit of that. Yeah. Admittedly, not enough yeah. on the sci-fi Reddit because like I, I just assume that, I mean, that's where I go to find that shit. You know, I don't usually find that type right. of shit. Um, so, so anyway, so they have a self share uh, Sunday where you can post something to the sci-fi Reddit. Oh, that's that. Or self share Saturday. I think. That is Self-promotion Saturday. Self-promotion Saturday. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Well, you're allowed to do that. So yeah. that's the day where I post. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's the only time that I post on that Reddit because, you know, I definitely don't want to disrespect the rules. Sure. Um, but because it's not really what people want, uh, normally they go either ignored yeah. or or awful things are said to me. <laughs> right. People <laughs> shit on you. Because it's the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, no one has ever listened to an episode and said anything mean to me ever. Yeah. It has 100% been people seeing the post title and saying mean things. And it's very obvious every time. And it's usually something sexist against yeah. women, and it, it it hurts my soul, and it makes me really sad. And I actually delete it. it when those posts happen. I delete it. Like, oh I don't, yeah, I don't want there to be like a like sexist nonsense on one of my attached podcast as comments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's I've only deleted like I I think that's only happened like twice. Yeah. And sometimes I will post something, and most of the time nobody gives a shit, and it sits there with zero upvotes, zero downvotes. No one cares. No one saw it. And sometimes I delete those too because yeah. I just feel like that's just why does this hit? Why does this need to be here? It's just yeah. noise at this point. Uh, and then there's been very, very seldom occasions where one of my posts has like taken off a little bit, and a huge discussion has been underneath. Right. It's never been about the podcast. It's always been about the media. Ah. And and it's I love it. It's great. Right. Like I want to be a part of a sci-fi discussion. I don't care, like you know, necessarily if they are listening to the podcast. 
I mean, that'd be nice. Sure. I would like that. (laughs) But I'm, I'm concerned about that. It's not necessarily the crowd of like, that might react to what I talk about well. But if you are going to post about the podcast and they're not going to listen, then having a discussion about the thing that you were having a discussion about. Still interesting to me personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly what I'm trying to get at, you know. So there's still something like nice about that. Yeah. To be able to see how current fandom feels about Babylon 5 has been really interesting. And there's been like huge discussions on uh, every episode that I've posted of this oh, for, for the podcast. I saw one of them, yeah. Yeah, and it's been really interesting. And it's always about how people remember the show and how they feel about the show yeah. now. And it's it's overwhelmingly uh, comments about how this is my favorite sci-fi show of all time. Yeah, it's overwhelmingly. Still, yeah, and there's a lot of debate about like this season is better than this season. It goes downhill after season three, right? You know, and it's a flawed product. It's totally deeply flawed. But it's always like singing its praises, yeah. even if it's talking about how it's bad. Also, yeah, it's. Like, I've never seen anyone come on and say, no, I think this is bullshit. I think this show is totally right. overrated. I've I, right, never I, seen that. Right, and I, we're talking about Reddit here. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's very popular. It's very, it's very well regarded if in the sci-fi community. If you stick with community. it to the five seasons and I, you're into sci-fi, I feel like you don't walk away from it going, ugh, that was garbage. You know? Yeah, totally. It's, yeah, it's, I, and I feel, I gotta say, I feel like so much of it is either explicitly or implicitly that it didn't let you down with mythology promises yeah i feel like that's a thing that could just tank a show because now it's hard to say well what was the point yeah or it winds up being terrible make them up answers that were thought of you know yeah it's three years after you pose the question like no if you pose a question have an answer yeah totally and it and it respects the fan the show yeah. respects the fan in a way most shows don't yeah you know what's this Kind of unrelated, but really interesting. I think you might find interesting, I hope. Yeah. Um, so you've been on my other podcast, Sci-Fi on Trial, as yeah, well. Yeah. I'm um, doing interviews. And uh, I that's something else that I've posted on that same Reddit. And that one, I have gotten responses from people who've listened to it. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating yeah. to me. It's, I feel like, I wonder if that uh, plays into someone's like, oh, I've got opinions about this. You know? I think it does. I think the name Sci-Fi on Trial is inherently adversarial. Right, and I think right. that that's more interesting <laughs> than Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I actually just, I post my episodes just like Sci-Fi number whatever, Babylon 5, whatever. Right, you know? right. And I guess, you know, I'm exaggerating. Like, I've heard from like one or two people who've said something and it's actually been really nice if they've listened to the episode. Like, yeah, interesting episode. Here's what I think. That's happened once or twice with this show. But with Sci-Fi on Trial, it's, it's happened like multiple times. Yeah. Uh, and it, I just find that interesting as far as like perception and human beings and like being a content creator and what what resonates with people. And uh, I think like this show, you know, this show has not done as well as I would have liked. Like sure. I'm almost three years in. Yeah. And my audience is, if anything, is shrinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I love doing the show. And I, when I first started this, I felt like I could do it forever. Right. But what I never accounted for is like, what if my audience shrank? Like, how, 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 <laughs> how would long that feel? will I stick with You know, this? like, how yeah. would that feel personally if like yeah. there's this thing that I am building that I truly believe would be like a tumbleweed? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And maybe isn't. But what what does that mean? Is maybe I'm inside of a tumbleweed that's like, going up and down and maybe that's normal that's and maybe i process, just need to like right? stick with it yeah or because like my goal is to be in like the top 50 sci-fi podcasts on itunes my goal is if you search on itunes for me to show up because right. if i'm remembering correctly they only show 50 podcasts yeah so you and i talked about this a little bit before yeah, we started if someone searches sci-fi you should be on the list right like that's my only hope yeah <laughs> uh like 
iTunes is Obi Wan Kenobi, and it is my only goal. So if <laughs> if I'm in that podcast list, like if people search for sci fi and they can find me, then maybe I can grow an audience. Right. So getting to that point has been my goal for almost three years now. Uh, and I actually just looked at this today. I was telling you earlier, I'm up to 14 five star reviews. Yeah. And the the last podcast on the list of that shows up on iTunes has 14 reviews. Yeah. So I'm I'm tied now, and yeah. I I don't know if this is how it works, but I feel like if I get more five star reviews, I might bump into that list yeah. now. Yeah. Maybe I'm yeah. not sure. Long story short, if you're enjoying this podcast, <laughs> five star uh, review. If you baby. wanted to continue, leave us a five star review because it literally is make or break right now. Yeah. Like I want to keep doing this, um, but I'm at this point where like. Like I have Lyme disease and I have no income and I'm making a little bit of money off of podcasting and it's really exciting. And it seems like if I could break into that market, maybe I could make a couple hundred bucks a month off of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which right now with no income, that would be awesome. Because right. like I'm making is better than none. Yeah, I'm making like a couple hundred bucks a month off of game streaming. And in my the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, you're fucking broke. Game stream all day, every day. Right, right. You know? Why waste time doing editing and recording a podcast? Totally. But I love doing this. Yeah. I and I want to be a content creator that has variety in my portfolio yeah. you know i don't want to rely on game streaming to be my only source of income right but i do want to have creativity be my only source of income yeah it's a good goal and game streaming is the only thing that's working right now right um like podcasting i have 17 patrons i think around 60 bucks a month yeah after three years of work and right. i'm so excited that that exists at all yeah I'm that's so great. grateful yeah like because you and i are, have both been content creators for a long time we both know that making any money off of anything you do is it's next very to impossible. hard yeah yeah so like 60 bucks a month is so hard fought and feels yeah. really great yeah um I just got uh, sponsorships on YouTube for game streaming, and I'm already up to thirty bucks a month. Nice. Uh, in in like less than a month, right? Of doing that versus like having a three Patreon years. For, yeah, I've had Patreon for about two years, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's the other thing is whatever move you make, you don't want to lose your Patreon people. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I can't worry about that. Yeah. I feel like. I have to make what I care about yeah. and hope that the people that want to support me can find Patreon. Can f- yeah, that's yeah. fair. Um, yeah. But anyway, I mean, I know that there's game streamers out there that make six figures. Right. I don't think that there are podcasters out there that right. do. Right. So there's this voice in the back of my mind that's like, or the things like that, you got to make a practical decision here. The things but that the problem do is make that money. I love doing this and I don't want to stop. Yeah, you know? and the things that do make money for podcasts are to me seem like not the kind of things that you would do you know advertisements well no yeah. they're like the people that have like the really popular like what is it the chapo trap house where they have like crazy amounts of patreon donations every month mm. uh but that's I, I think that one is was like real uh leftist agitating uh crazy talk right i don't um, want to be sensationalist to sensationalist get there we go that's i want to be that, myself yeah and, and have it be successful. Right. And I, I, because my audience has been shrinking, I'm feeling like I have failed. You know, it's, uh, it's yeah. hard to not feel that way. Yeah. And I've been kind of dealing th- with this for a little while because there was this like, I talked about this on a previous episode and you and I talked about this off air once, but right. there was this moment where the way podcast numbers were tallied was changed. Oh, right. Yeah, and, yeah. And everybody lost a ton of plays. Right, but it felt... A lot of people but, felt like over half of their... A lot of people lost over half of their plays just yeah. because it was being reported incorrectly, yeah. which happened to me. So I got like this super hard point where it's like, I'm getting like 2,000 downloads a month. Right. This is amazing. And for the last couple of months, I've gotten like 300 something downloads a month. For, yeah. I, I've put out less shows because I've been a little depressed about it. Right. Um, but I've definitely have started to feel like my podcast experiment has failed, yeah. you know? And it seems like 
uh, Sci-Fi on Trial could be more popular. Right. Because it's a little more adversarial. Right. But I also... I it's harder to do and I don't have the energy to do it. Yeah. To and be then, perfectly and then, honest, like I have Lyme disease and I have to do shit that's easy. Right. And would that be satisfying for you to always be doing that kind it might of adversarial? Be. Well, it's not adversarial when you listen to it as much. Yeah. I, that's not true. I mean, it is adversarial, but it's like the way that you and I are being adversarial yeah, we're just tonight. Talking, right. We could like, have called this Babylon five on trial. If, yeah, you know, totally. We like, pretended that you were the one that didn't like it. And I was convincing totally. you of it. I am infinitely interested in the myriad ways that people will perceive something. Yeah. And that's what sci-fi on trial is about to me. So I don't find it adversarial. I find it to be like a perception experiment. Yeah. Like, like how can we open up our perception of what we experienced with this movie to see if we agree or not? Right. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I do too. Uh, so, and no one's like mad at each other or yelling at each right. other. That's not what the show is about. It's a very polite, respectful thing. And, There's no gavels. Yeah, and I think it's actually nice to see people have a polite disagreement. I think yeah. that learning how to say no to people is so important and like how... Like you and I being able to state our opinion and not get pissed about it, we don't have to agree to to have fun, you know. And, and it's, it's fun more to, fun if we don't. Yeah, and it's it's. I think it's fun to try to convince something, to convince someone that something is either good or bad, you know. Just yeah. Uh, in in um, pieces of culture like this, in yeah, movies, totally. science fiction, it's and it's also really fun to just. <laughs> there's been times not on your podcast, but just in conversations with people where if I know enough about whatever the thing is that they have a strong opinion of, it's fun to then just take the other opinion <laughs> to talk about the thing, you know? That's interesting. Yeah, I, I can't do that. I, I Also, like, podcasting is not just, like, something that I hope could possibly make money. Like, podcasting is, like, a passion of mine. Right, where, right. Uh, it has been really interesting to have discussions that I then listen to later to edit and then put out. Yeah. So to have to know that what I say can be used against me. Oh, I see. And then yeah. is out there in the world. <laughs> like my it's made me much more conscious of whether or not what I'm saying is true. Oh, I see. And yeah. I think if you listen to the show as a whole over the hundred something episodes that exist now, right. uh, you will hear me exaggerate less. Yeah. Because I became conscious of my own exaggeration. Yeah. I think yeah. that sometimes I want to sound more charming or funny or or like quirky than I actually am. Yeah, so I absolutely. exaggerate something yeah. to impress people. Uh, interesting. Uh, and I learned that about myself from podcasting. It's like, That's well, great. like what am I saying? Is it true? And I've had to cut things out that weren't true because I said them and I didn't <laughs> want them out there because they weren't true. Yeah. But it was like a, in the moment it felt true to say. Yeah. Well, that's great because you get the advantage of having the moment of reflection afterwards. You know? Totally. And it's really helped me grow as a person and like made me more. Well, that live stream, it's just going to be. You oh, know. my God. Yeah. The li- I don't watch those because I'm usually stoned playing video games. I'm like, <laughs> I, just, I do not want to know what I said. I just don't want to know what I said. But I try to just talk about the game because I know that I'm dumb in that moment. I'm right. like so focused on Zelda. I just, I'm playing Breath of the Wild on stream and that has been amazing. Yeah, I want to play that. I don't have oh, the. It's so great. I don't have the hardware for it, but I had this um I had this bizarre moment the other day where uh I had a stream last Tuesday that when the stream was done, like the next day it had like six hundred something views. So I and I've been usually getting around like between like two to five hundred yeah. views for a stream. Like two yeah, I mean I had a stream two days ago that was two hundred views after afterwards. Yeah. Or within the next couple of days. Um and I've been doing stuff for a while, like podcasts where that could have hundreds of plays or something like that. But for some reason the other day playing Zelda where I was so engrossed in the game I was I don't think I was even talking that much I'm not sure right but to know that like 600 something people still watching tuned into a portion of that or yeah. were there with me for a moment of that just felt bizarre it just felt like the weirdest fucking feeling yeah. like this total like sense of 
deja vu and euphoria and fear all wrapped up into one feeling that I hadn't quite experienced. Yeah. Um, it was really interesting. I that's, can't imagine. That's all I, I have to I, say. <laughs> no, I have no context for it. It's really fascinating. Yeah, it was. It was really fascinating. It was really cool. And on one hand, it's like, it's like, isn't this what I want? Isn't right. this what I've been trying to achieve? To like, um, like as a content creator, don't I want my content to be out there? Right. You know. And I've had to really adjust my view of who I am as a content creator because I was like just a musician, and then I was just a musician who was a sci-fi nerd who like made podcasts also to talk about sci-fi because I love it so much. Right. And now I'm a mus- musician and a sci-fi nerd who like plays games on the internet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who am I? <laughs> I don't know who I am anymore. Um, but but what I came to at the end was that I'm just a content creator. Like yeah. I I. It's and it's not. It's no longer just about like this is just what I want to do to make money. Like I'm physically incapable of doing anything else right, right now because right. of Lyme disease. Yeah, and that has gone on for way longer than I expected. And like I'm in this weird limbo right now. I actually haven't even mentioned this on the show before, but like my doctor who was treating me left her clinic and opened wow. up her own, and that doesn't take my insurance. And, uh, and that has opened up this whole right issue of like well now what do i do with my treatment and that i haven't start off with a new doctor or have to go to somebody where you're not gonna have insurance covering exactly yeah and i still haven't even worked out whether or not i'm getting disability benefits and that's been over a year right right so i'm in this place where uh i have to figure out a way to make some money yeah and it's not like my parents are helping support me and that's amazing but that can only go on for so long it's like you know uh i I can't just be a financial burden the rest of my life right like at what point do i have to you know like what would, would I have to move home? I was you know, gonna say, right, myself? right. And you know, I'm like, I have this amazing girlfriend, and she and I are moving in together, and that takes some of that pressure off right. because, um, you know, I now have this partner in my day to day life that can help, right? Um, which is amazing. Like, I'm so grateful and happy, and like in awe that that's even in my life at all. Um, but if I didn't have that, like, I would be considering moving in with my parents right now. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so just looking into the future, it's like, I, I got to figure out a way to generate income for myself and I'm, I'm good at content creation. I hope like, that's what I like to do. I'm not necessarily good at podcasting. I, I don't know if I am like, <laughs> it hasn't, it hasn't become the tumbleweed that I'd hope it would. I, so I think it's, I think you're, I think you're good at podcasting. I think it's one of these things where it's just, it's like, uh, you're not an, a, a, an elite Olympic athlete at podcasting. And that's sure. what it is. Is it right? That's a know, breakout I'd have to be. Maybe. Yeah. And that's what happens. Or it's some weird random lightning strike where people break right. out. But there's podcasts that uh, me and Ryan talk about it, stuff that we listen to that's similar to what we do. Where we're like, yeah, we could do this. But for whatever reason, you know, yeah. these people got popular doing a thing that's. Yeah. I mean, I haven't found. I haven't found a sci-fi show that does what I want to hear. Right. So my only hope is that there's other people that feel that way. That, right. That you're not just doing, it's not an indulgence for yourself of like, oh, this isn't popular because I'm one of the handful of people that would like this. That you're hating on yeah. something that's... Yeah. And it's probably what you just said. Yeah. It's probably like, there's probably a few people like me and I hope some of them listen to this show. And I do, I have, you know... I have heard from a couple of people recently. I've gotten a couple of new iTunes reviews, which has been really exciting. And like literally today, like yesterday, I was thinking about ending this podcast, you know? Right. And then today I edited the first Firefly episode because the one we're doing right now, you and I is going to come out like at least a month or if not two. Right. Or beyond past the night that we have the discussion. Absolutely. Um, and so I edited that today and I feel like doing Firefly one episode at a time 
is actually getting closer to what I wanted to do uh, anyway, which nice. is like, I want to take something apart one episode at a time. Yeah. I, I'm really enjoying it. I've never done it before. I've always wanted to. And this has been like really, really exciting. We're four episodes into it. I'm having a blast. That's great. Um, it's a shorter discussion, so it's easier to produce. Right. And I feel like maybe that is beneficial for sharing and getting other people to listen to it. Yeah, short episodes are, are uh, tend to get, you know, uh, gives you traction earlier. Yeah. You know, that actually is a good point. So I started, I, I decided a few months back that it would be better to just release an entire discussion at a time yeah. versus cutting it in half. Yeah. Because it, it's just a better flow. Like you and I are talking about Babylon 5 for, uh, oh, it's been two and a half hours. This is going to be too long of an episode. Yeah, so my old style would be to put it out as two or three episodes and then right. i started just doing it as one yeah because i wanted to keep to keep it contained yeah you know? sure uh and then if like, you wanna... this is the babylon five episode yeah and if you're gonna listen to them you're gonna listen to if you're gonna skip one or two right you're gonna either you listen to, the to whole skip thing like or... two or three weeks to get through right. babylon five if you don't want to listen to it might right. as well put it all together but it ended up making it a lot harder for myself and then i also maybe that's why i noticed a dip in listenership is because i'm putting out shit that's too fucking long <laughs> sorry yeah maybe, maybe that's a problem i don't know let maybe, us know <laughs> i don't know i just don't know because i don't get that much feedback yeah which is frustrating. Um, I would say just keep doing what you want to do. That's yeah. my personal opinion, but I'm also not trying to get uh, supporting money for yeah. what I do. Yeah. I mean, my my thought yesterday when I wanted to cancel the podcast was like move these discussions. It's the discussion that I want to have. Right. It's not necessarily the podcast format, although I love the fucking podcast format, mm-hmm. but it's the discussion that matters more to me. Right. And if I can live stream it, and get a couple hundred views, or maybe even like a hundred views. Yeah. Because the live streams of sci-fi stuff have done okay, but um, they're not what my audience is built for. Right. They want to watch. Games. They want to watch me play Mario right. and Zelda and stuff. Right. So, uh, but but it's been more than the podcast, and that kind of helps me justify the time and the effort is to say, well, at least like, at least people are hearing it. You know, like with the podcast, I'm starting to feel like not really anyone's even hearing it. Right. That wouldn't hear it if I if I moved it to a live scenario. Yeah. So like, what's the point in in doing the extra work when it could be easier live? Right. Just sit down and do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the point is that like I really love it first of all, and like having this discussion just the two of us in a, in a private space, I think allows it to be a little bit more open and uh, it's a different type of conversation right. than I have live. I love doing both. Yeah. And I do want to do more live either way, uh, but. But I really love it. And then I, I think what I need is a little bit more feedback and support to right. continue it. Yeah. I think that my my well of energy with the show, as far as doing it and just putting it out there and just giving it away, yeah. l- was about three years long. Because yeah. I'm coming, I'm coming yeah. to the end of that well. Yeah. And honestly, if, if that's the thing, is that if you're not getting either um, uh, creative satisfaction, emotional satisfaction from the act of doing it, and you're not hearing from the audience, then there's, I feel like there's no argument to keep doing it. Yeah, I'm definitely getting, like today was such a great podcast day for me. Yeah. I put that Firefly episode together. I really loved it. I We had this chat. It was super fun. You know, <laughs> it's just so much fun yeah. to have the discussion. And I, I, anyway, so today was a great day with podcasting. I'm like, well, maybe I do want to continue doing this. And I, I think that, uh, I, I know for a fact that if I was building an audience here, I would want to continue doing it because yeah. a, a big part of what I want to do is build an audience because <laughs> I want to be able to support myself. I just started laughing because I thought what will happen is that we'll get to four seasons of Babylon 5, you'll cancel the podcast, <laughs> and then we'll have to wait 
uh, an amount of time and then it'll come back and be like all right the live stream we've picked up season five yeah <laughs> we get to under a different channel sci-fi with jesse mercury now on tnt <laughs> <laughs> yeah to do yeah to, to wrap up season five yeah i mean my my dream scenario would be that this podcast picks up some steam right now and I just continue. Yeah. You know, that's my dream scenario. And I, I, if I had some steam to give you, baby. Yeah. I mean, all it would take is fucking iTunes reviews. Like, yeah. honestly, uh, that's literally all it takes. And I've been harping on that for a long time, but I've never it's- really explained why. And the reason why is that. I would be able to be searchable yeah. by sci-fi, not by sci-fi with Jesse Mercury. Like, right. Like no one is going to find Mark Maron's podcast searching for WTF. They're going to search for Mark Maron. Right. Like no one has ever found my podcast searching for sci-fi. They've only found me searching for Jesse Mercury. Right. And who the fuck am I? Right. Uh, you know, people are not looking for, people are not interested in what some, you know, hypothetical person has to say about science fiction. Well, that's the thing why some podcasts, uh, there's a lot of them where you can trace their popularity to oh somebody who was already popular for something exactly you know? like Smodcast with Kevin Smith or, yeah. or WTF with Mark Maron yeah I mean, he's a little bit different because he was about as not famous as you could be and still be technically considered that's true you know I mean, he, he was at the, yeah. he was like at the end of his rope I guess that, I guess that's a bad example because the podcast did make him famous it did know? right and the guest that he was the caliber of guests yeah. that he got early on because obviously as you know now he's been in the business forever and is well connected with people even though a lot yeah. of people hated him he was able to get like David Cross and Patton Oswald, people like that in his first handful, people who themselves didn't have a podcast. So yeah. it's like, oh, we want to listen to this. And that it was the other people's fame that got his ball rolling. I totally. Think. And also him being, if not annoying, but compelling to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like when I named my podcast, it was inspired by WTF with Mark Marin. you yeah. know? Um, cause that's the official name is like WTF with, with, with Mark, Mark Marin. Right. So I wanted like, sci- I just wanted to call the show sci-fi. Right. But, and in my mind, the show is called Sci-Fi, and yeah. that's why when I number it, it says like Sci-Fi number whatever. Yeah, because like Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury number whatever. I used to do that, and I hate that. So, <laughs> uh, but I was just doing it because like that's the official title. Um, is it Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. And, and, I mean, it is. It's it's whatever Sci-Fi podcast episode that you want to have. You know. Yeah, that's the that's the intent is that it, it leaves me completely free to do whatever. To do whatever. It's just called Sci-Fi, and then right. I'm the host, so it's Sci-Fi with Jesse, Jesse Mercury. Mercury. Yeah. But I really think that title has hurt me. I think that. I think that I made that title thinking that uh, people would be interested in in what I was doing with my sci-fi synth pop and want to hear more from me. Right. Nobody fucking knows who I am. You know, like that 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 only makes sense if I am famous. You need to get more sci-fi synth pop famous. Yeah. That can only help. Or like game streaming famous or something. I mean, the only new only new listeners I've gotten that I know of in the last like six months to a year have been from right. the live from the game streams right and you game stream as jesse mercury yeah right you do everything yeah. as jesse mercury yeah i'm yeah totally and that's not even my real name that's like right that's like my alter ego that was that i wanted to make into a brand that i could live off of yeah, you know like that sense. was yeah. yeah like i just want to be a full-time creative person that's yeah. all i've ever really wanted and i i want that because first of all i think that it will make me happy in a way that nothing else really can and yeah. i want to be happy uh that's just my goal in life is to live a happy life. And I'm happy when I make things. Yeah. So if I can support myself off of that, I'll be happy. That's like plan A. 
Uh, but then the whole Lyme disease thing has really uh, thrown a wrench in there. Yeah, it's like now, like what else can I even do? Right. Like I can't work. I'm not reliable. Uh, I have like intense pain that comes and goes that makes it so I literally can't do anything but lie down. Right. And so I need to be in charge of my own schedule. I, right. I cancel on you like half the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like half the time we're going to record, I have to postpone because I'm not feeling well. <laughs> I can't hold down a job, you know? Right. I can't go into the office and lease. Like I was not reliable and I had to stop yeah. doing it because a- I couldn't Anything make you it. do has to be you're the boss, freelance type stuff. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And... I, and even deadlines have to be loosey goosey. Totally. And I was a, you know, I went, to, <laughs> I was a musician. I, I have a degree in music. I was a professional audio engineer before I started working in leasing. And I started leasing because I couldn't make ends meet doing audio engineering. And right. I mean, I could audio engineer now, but I couldn't make ends meet doing that before. How am I supposed to do it now? Right. I, I It's really hard to find work and I'm not reliable. So I don't, I can't necessarily get it done for people on time. Right. Like I've been working on mixing and mastering the Mugatu album for like two years or wow. something because I just can't. I need to have enough energy to work on it. Yeah, and it's just rare. So uh, this is why you don't want to watch a, a, a sci-fi show where it's all about how depressing real life is. Yeah, I need some escape, man. <laughs> yeah. But like game streaming has been this like like stroke of lightning, brilliant thing that but, I never would have thought of. Well, because that's normally an activity that is done as escapism and leisure right that's usually like it's like dessert now except it's actually healthy for you yeah you know totally exactly that's so true um but yeah and i've made i've made more money game streaming than i i hate to sound gross but it's been i'm talking about like two or three hundred dollars a month you know which is you can cut all this stuff out i I probably won't because i think (laughs) you know i think that I need to be upfront with my podcast listeners about like what's happening behind the sure. scenes, you know? Um, and cause like if this show goes away, I want them to know why it's your fault for not leaving five star reviews. Exactly. <laughs> you can save this show right now with five star reviews. This whole thing is just like a pitch to get five star reviews. This is like our telethon. That's why it's yeah. so long. Yeah. I mean, but this honestly, like I think that this stuff has been inside me for a while and it's kind of affecting the show. And I think that maybe that's also why I'm losing listeners. Cause right. I'm not really being even honest with my own listeners. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like there's this desperation in me to find a way to make money off of creativity and right. game streaming is the is the easiest thing that I've ever done that has made any money. Yeah. Uh physically. Yeah. And and emotionally and uh um it's really just fun. I just really love it. Like I'm getting trolled in this really intense way, but I, <laughs> I can deal with that, you know? Like I've had some really dark shit directed at me since I started game streaming, but I, I can handle that. I get worried about Miles if she uh, Oh if Miles, he, come here. He He's so into here. you, he's just gonna kind of <laughs> bite your legs off again. Come here, buddy. I'll just keep him right here. Um, yeah, so like I have this glimmer of hope that maybe I could be a full-time game streamer and get paid to do something that I enjoy that other people actually want. And I've never felt that before. It's really exciting. It's yeah. like like that. that's a pathway towards a dream coming true that seems actually kind of realistic. It's still unlikely and it'd still be like incredibly difficult to do and could take years. Right, but, but it's possible. But it seems possible, yeah, like you know guys i can't make money it's very <laughs> it's terrifying um but anyway so like this one thing seems possible and i i part half of me like wants to pursue it like whole hog and the other half of me wants to pursue that and all my other creative all my other creative stuff with yeah. my full energy like i'm never going to stop making music it's my right. favorite thing and i I I end up not making music a lot because I'm working on the podcast. And that's right. a problem. Like I don't have the energy to do it all right now. Yeah. Like not the way that I used to. Like I can't, you know, I can't even play music live, so I can't perform in bands. All I have right now is is recording and that's, you know, I only feel good enough to do that sometimes. Right. 
And on the days that I do, I oftentimes choose to work on the podcast instead because I want to get it out. Right. It's and, a priority. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a day usually for me to edit a podcast and really, it'll be the only thing I can do that day. That whole day. With yeah. my energy. Sure. You know? Like it takes a day's worth of energy for me now. Yeah. And Whereas I don't have it, Lyme disease. It, it used to it be takes like, me months to do that. I used to be able to knock out a podcast in like three hours start to finish. Oh, like nice. the edit anyway. Yeah. It would, I do, I, it would be like one piece of what I did on a day and then I'd work on music the rest of the day. Right. I can't, I haven't been able to do that for like a year and a half. So I'm really frustrated with how much music I've gotten out and I'm trying to decide how to use my energy. And when I get feedback from the podcast, that like feeds that feeds me this like positive energy that what I'm doing is building and yeah. it really feels good. Yeah. And I really love that. Um, when I don't get it, it leaves this hole that makes me feel like I'm failing constantly. Well, yeah, like I said, it's it's hard to justify at that point in time. Yeah. If it's, unless it's intrinsically satisfying, right? Then it's if there's also like there's nothing external, right? Then it really is like, well, then why are you doing something? Yeah, and I think it's it's always the balance of intrinsically satisfying has always been greater than the the negative side of doing yeah. it, and it's starting to tip the other way because of all these factors. Um, but I want to keep doing it. And I, I feel like if I could get more support financially and, you know, uh, like iTunes ratings wise, then I would continue doing it. But I feel like if, but maybe it's, but the more practical side of me is saying like, maybe it is better to just do it live on your YouTube page because that's where money is coming in is through YouTube right now. If I could get more views on any content, like I can monetize that where I, you know, um, like I made, I got a check from Nintendo for three cents, <laughs> which is insane for for my videos that only have like three hundred views or something. Right, but I, 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 so it's like a cent per hundred views or something. Right, uh, but if I get a lot of views, that could add up. Yeah, and if I'm why why podcast when that's not even possible when I can put the same discussions out on YouTube? Yeah, and um, you and, can still talk to people about stuff. Yeah, and not do a podcast. Yeah, you know, you, exactly. You don't. You don't lose this aspect of your life right you know if you don't do it anymore like you and i having a fun chat about babylon 5 wouldn't have to stop right so so it's hard to convince myself to keep going and i i need external oh i I need like external uh i can quit stuff in a heartbeat like what's what's the word uh uh motivation uh validation validation i guess is the word Uh, and it feels weird to need validation to do anything creative because like i've never really been in that position i've always just made what i wanted yeah but I I need it right now. Well, yeah. Well, now your circumstances are particular for that. Where yeah. the the what you're feeling now would be the feeling of someone who's like, oh, I have to do a job I don't like to get money, you know, right? And I don't have time to do things that are creatively satisfying as well, and to right. find the balance for it. For you, everything is. The, yeah. the the doing the creative things and generating money with them right so and then my energy might, usage is this huge factor right so you have a limited amount of time to pour into these resources so yeah. of course it's logical to maximize that time on the things that make you the most amount of money yeah but then that means that you lose time to spend on things that perhaps are more enjoyable for you or that right. you feel some more of a connection or right. it's so funny because like all of this comes from my hate, my dislike of money as a system. Like the fact that you have to make money to exist sickens me. Right. So I want I want a way out of that. Like I I Invent I'm trying to like crawl my way out of it. Yeah. And the game streaming could be that for me. It could. If, yeah. If I could succeed at that. Sure. And, and make, people do. Yeah. People do. If I could make a full time living game game streaming, that would be like having a replicator. Yeah. That <laughs> replicates money for me. You know. Yeah. Uh, so that I could live a life that feels 
like it makes sense to me. Yeah. And then, you know, once you get the ball rolling, then you can spend time making a podcast that isn't making you that much money. Right. But you still want to do for whatever reason because you like doing it. Right. Like if I I was a full-time content creator with my health intact, like... I could I would just make whatever I felt and yeah, it wouldn't, you, it wouldn't never, be a question. You, you never know? do it again. You just keep doing yeah. game streaming, you know? Yeah, I don't know. You that's do- that's what's been happening in my head recently. <laughs> long story short. <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a long story. Long actually, it was long. It was long. Yeah, long we gotta we yeah, gotta do a wrap this up. big dive of the <laughs> podcast world. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming with me. It was it was cathartic for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm aboard. All right, well, Babylon 5, season I think we five, hit everything. Coming I, up next. <laughs> when, well, next time you and I discuss. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, once you, once you uh, I got to watch ready, it. I haven't even started it yet. I got to Me neither. It. What I usually do is, is I wait a little bit, and then uh, I'll get to the point where I'm like, oh, I really want to watch it. Yeah. And then if I finish it, and it's, and it's a long time until we talk, I'll go ahead and rewatch highlights, watch some more of them. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've been going through this weird thing where like I, I want to keep watching it, and then I have to wait so we can talk, and then I forget to start it. And oh, then right. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to watch that show. <laughs> and then I slowly get back into it again and then kind of roll through to the end. Yeah. Uh, season four was different where I was, like, really excited to watch it and then, like, started it the day after and, like, ran through it really quickly. Yeah. Uh, but then lost steam by the end, so yep. I have no idea what's going to happen Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I'll probably get caught up with Scandal first, and then I'll start some Babylon 5. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll watch Scandal. You should. It's good. All right. Well, do you want to um, plug your shit? Uh, I have a podcast that is probably not been updated since you've been listening to any of these episodes uh, called Radio LARP with Ryan Casey. <laughs> and you can find us on, uh, I guess, wherever you find stuff. Just look up Radio LARP and maybe we're there. <laughs> nice. Thanks. And then do you want to like plug your Twitter or anything else? Do you care about? Oh, personally, all of my stuff. My Jesse Mercury is under the brand Douglas W. Fail. <laughs> F-A-I-L. Nice. Look for me wherever you look for stuff. And if I'm there, I'll have stuff. (laughs) If I'm not there, then that place probably sucks. (laughs) There you have it. (laughs) Dude, thank you so much. This is so fun every time. Yeah, I fucking love it. it. I love talking about stuff. I know. I can't wait till next time. And I'm going to give some serious thought to doing Deep Space Nine because... Oh, yeah. yeah. Even if you don't, then we just have to have discussions about Deep Space Nine. Totally. Totally. Episode by episode, season by season. Whatever it is. (laughs) Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll cancel this podcast and we'll just start a Deep Space Nine podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, dude, I know that this was awesome. I can't wait till next time. Yeah. Thank you. All right. You're welcome.